Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's c2cradio.com. We are broadcasting here May 26th, the night after AEW, All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing. Heck of a night of wrestling action. I'm Stan Grubb, my tag team partner this evening, Brian Taylor. What's up, peoples? Brian, I believe the historic phrase is the revolution will be televised. Wow. Um, if there ever was a shot across the bow, last night would definitely qualify. All Elite Wrestling bringing us double or nothing and the buy-in. So we'll start with the buy-in. Let's start with the pre-show that All Elite Wrestling brings out. Broadcast, by the way, on TNT and BR Live and Fight TV and I believe YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. Um. Brian, what did you think? Let's go ahead and go with the opener there. The Casino Battle Royale. So, for a Battle Royal, I'm not a big fan of them, but I enjoyed that one. I thought that was really good. And the the way it was, uh, um, the entrance, I guess, came out, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the card suits. Yep. I kind of like that because then you got to, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, battle royals where they all start in the ring and the next thing you know, 20 of them are, you know, thrown out, you know, you know 
almost had the feel of a rumble where you actually had to wait for people to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And however, that was kind of, you know, we all kind of knew about Sean coming out at 10. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, he can't escape. He can't escape yeah. the WWE curse. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's so much of a curse. I, I think it was done deliberately, you know, again, a shot across the bow, you know? Right, right. So, and did he not look in great shape? You know, um, we're talking, of course, about formerly known as Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, the perfect 10, um, making his debut for All Elite Wrestling last night, looking excellent. I mean, yeah, he looked to be in phenomenal shape. New ring gear, uh, new kind of approach to the industry, I think, for him. And honestly, just a newfound comfort zone with working with new talent. This is a guy that has a profound future in all elite wrestling. And I, for one, am excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's see. What was uh, what else did I like about the Brad Royal? It, w- it was the, um, the one guy, um, the guy with uh, that was missing the legs. Oh, Dustin um, Thomas. How cool yes. is that? So, yeah. Yeah. Guy that has no legs that has a dramatic impact on this battle royal, so so cool. Um, hits a 450, a springboard 450, um, hits a, a slingshot DDT. You know, this kid, he's something special, man. He could look, I don't want to get too grandiose and all that, but he honestly had like a uh, an underdog Jeff Hardy feel to him. Yeah, you, especially at first where he was just kind of tucked up under the turnbuckle. Yes. It, it was almost like, ah, oh, so he's going to play this role, you know, for the match. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, here comes Maxwell. <laughs> what a swine. Ruin that. Dastardly Friedman. Da- MJF. Yeah, oh. dastardly. <laughs> I like Let's talk about the layout of the paper or the battle royal. Brian mentioned the layout and how these guys came to the ring. They came out with suits of cards, right? So the last one, I believe, was spades. And then the final entrant was the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so each group of five were would come to the ring. And then another five-minute period would go by and another suit would come down. Um, I think my favorite out of the groupings, because you start off, you had Billy – you had, I'm sorry – MJF, Dustin Thomas, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa, and Sunny Days. Uh, great start up to it. I did come in towards the towards the tail end of this first group, but I did get Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, Brian Pillman Jr. Wow, Jr. looked let, great. Yeah, but let me just say he's got that Ricky Morton. Look to him. Yeah. You know, the classic 80s Ricky Morton look to him. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of the um, – he really reminded me of his dad with some mm-hmm. of his mannerisms and the way he was able to fly around the ring and be fluid and anything. It was it was impressive, but it was also like this kid <laughs> this kid has a future, a big future. Um. He could be the one that brings the Pillman name to the main event into a world title. It's quite possible. He's still young. Uh, he's young. He's got a great attitude about him. You've never really heard anything negative about him. This is, of course, a young man that's also involved with Major League Wrestling. 
as part of their, I want to say it's the new Heart Foundation or Heart Foundation 2.0. I don't remember what they call it. It might just be the Heart Foundation. But anyhow, uh, Billy Gunn, Glacier, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy had a great showing as well. Um, and Jungle Boy, it, he's the son of Luke Perry? Yes, that's that's right. Yep. Wow. Color me surprised. Um, had just a great showing for himself. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm not ridiculously familiar with like Ace Romero or Mark Quinn, but uh, you know, darn it, Ace Romero didn't really pleasantly surprise me. Here's a big, big guy able to run and fly around the ring. That is, it's unheard of. It kind of reminds me of how when we first started to see Vader move mm-hmm. the ring. And like to be able to do moonsaults. This guy's doing suicide dives. I mean, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> um, let's looking at the next grouping. This one might have been my favorite. Marco Stunt. Uh, how can you not cheer for this kid? Um, apparently, this is something Lance Storm tweeted out during the show. Marco Stunt apparently had broken his leg at one point last year. Still came back to make sure that he could perform at Double or Nothing. Um, Sonny Kiss, who had a great showing for himself. Of course, Tommy Dreamer. You can't leave Tommy Dreamer out. I think he's going to be that legend that you'll never be able to forget or get rid of. And I mean that mm-hmm. in a good way. He's that guy that can always give you something special to your show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Brian, the, I wanted to talk about, I think, what might be my new favorite. Uh, <laughs> and that is Lucha Soros. Yeah. This, is amazing he moves like a luchador he's a big muscle-bound dude he's got a mask that looks scary i mean uh, you know what that might be my guy i might have to be like you know what i'm all in for luchasaurus (laughs) yeah i'm not sure how it stays on but uh i was quite impressed with him just based on his size more than anything yeah I was really impressed with his ability to just go with different types of talents, like the b- ability to, to mix it up with Ace Romero, you know, and just brawl. The ability to kind of jump around the ring and fly with, like, Sonny Kiss and all of that. Um, I mean, it's a really impressive standout kind of guy. I really didn't expect that. Yeah, he was definitely uh, definitely one that I hadn't – I don't know if I've ever seen him before. Yeah, uh, which again makes the battle roll great because there were so many new people that performed and delivered. You know, I mean, the other thing that was surprising to me was that they really put Adam Page in a great position for this. Um, because, of course, we know that and, and I do want to talk about this because this is a little concerning from one perspective, but not so much from the other. Adam Page unable to compete against Pac because apparently there's this concern about creative and whether or not Pac is okay with losing on pay-per-view. So they filmed the they filmed the you know the segment or the match. They broadcasted it this past Wednesday. And then at the same time, Hangman Page is now without an opponent and without a match. They film a segment that says, okay, well, if Page can't perform. Basically, we're going to have like a knee injury kind of segment, which would have made sense if they had left it that way. But they put him in a position where actually 
it was better because he was the wild card. He was the Joker in the Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And it's fitting that, you know, he, he's been talked about for a while that he's going to get a shot at AEW's championship title uh, here in a few months. You know, I'm I'm still going to stick with my initial pick. When we first talked about all the wrestling coming out, I'm going to stick by my opinion and say that I think Adam Page is their heir, heir apparent to the title. I think he's going to be their chosen good guy, and he's going to be the one that, that chases his dream, we'll say. And I think, uh, well, I think we'll talk about his opponent a little bit further down the road here during tonight's show. Um, but definitely the Casino Battle Royale may be my new favorite gimmick Battle Royale. Yeah, and, and again, it delivered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There wasn't a lot of downtime. There wasn't a lot of everybody take the powder and just wait for it to play out. Um, it was action uh, yeah. pretty much from start to finish. Uh, that's a big, that's always been one of our biggest pet peeves. Like when the when the rumble comes around, it's you know okay, here's two guys, they get their moment, everybody go outside the ring or everybody lay down. Right. This battle royal, it was unique because that they went the opposite direction, and I really got and I don't want to do this too much because I've noticed this on social media, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as the night goes on. It did have kind of a WCW vibe to it. You know, whatever whatever the mainstream is doing, we're going to do the exact opposite. But, folks, that's what works. When you can look at what your comp- competition is doing, and in one way, shape, or form, I think it's safe to say it's, it's competition. But maybe not overtly, although when we talk about Cody and Dustin, maybe it was. Um, I, I think that what we're seeing right now is that All Elite Wrestling has a unique opportunity to say, no, we are deliberately different. And we want to be. And I think that's what made them uh, so beneficial. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, well, I mean, even security was WCW. Yeah. Um, Atlas, I think it is. Is that right? I would. I would. I think so. I think it was Atlas security. Um, and I think what, what Cody and the guys are doing right now is they're recognizing, hey, there are a lot of key personnel from WCW and even Impact, you could say, that were left on the sidelines that Mm -hmm. didn't deserve to be on the sidelines anymore. And they've really made a conscious, focused effort to say, no, we want these people involved. We want them on our show. Even if it's for maybe a somewhat smaller role, they need to be here. And Mm -hmm. so far, they're proving to me that they deserve to be there. Right. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's like, why get brand new people when I can get people that's been there before? Yeah. And and know the inner workings and are, you know, are able to help me make sure this is so successful that we don't even, you know, we don't even hit a bump. So hats off to them for having that train of thought. Definitely. So we would find out that the winner of the Casino Battle Royale, Battle Battle Royal. <laughs> I gotta get All right, you. Bond. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the winner of the Battle Royal would win their opportunity at an AEW world title shot 
in the future. Now, we do know that early, you know, very early on in the announcements of this show that they were not going to be crowning the champion for Double or Nothing. So we know that's a show down the road. Quite possibly, this could take place at their first their first showing on television on TNT. We well, don't know. I, I think if I remember right, that somewhere along the way of a segment that we'll talk about in a little bit, they announced what show it'll be crowned on. Ah, yes, uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I just don't think he knows the month, but he knows the show. Yeah, right, right. So. So let's continue looking at the buy-in here. Of course, the pre-show for Double or Nothing. Next matchup on the uh, on the chart, and of course, by the way, if we didn't mention it, Hangman Page does win that battle royal. Um, so we got our next matchup, which was Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. Wow, these kids brought it. It was a tremendous matchup between very very talented two young men that I think can really do a lot. Um, Kip Sabian was very impressive. Sammy Guevara is always impressive. But uh, this match, finishing up after a burning hammer driver, which I don't think I've ever seen. That was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, nor have I ever seen the uh, panda headdress. Uh, either. Oh, that was quite impressive. Yeah. There were a lot of parts of last night's pay-per-view that really felt like these guys are really bringing it, but they're doing it the way they want to do it on their terms. Sure. And and if you remember, that's what we were told. Yep. That they're going to be allowed to be them. They're not going to be saddled. They're going to, you know, if you if you want to wear a panda headdress, wear the panda headdress. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and work your butt off. Yep. And that's what that's what they did. So. One of the things that I noticed was they started doing promos for talent that's still coming in. They did a promo for Sadie Lee, Sadie Gibbs, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, who looks very impressive. But we didn't get a, a real full-fledged look, but definitely looked impressive for what they brought to the table for her. And I got to say, the production value of that video was very good. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you look at like that video. And then now you can kind of, well, I can't really talk about the, well, I guess I, no, I can't talk about the other video either. Anyway, they have a good production crew because that video is top notch. And another video we'll talk about later was top notch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing that they are literally putting this company together and behind the scenes, they are this far along after one show. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there's so I'm I mean I'm at a crossroad here, Brian, and maybe you can help me out. So here's what bothers me about what I saw when it came to AEW. And I'm not talking about what any of the people at the show did. I'm actually what really bothers me is the fans, the quote unquote fans of AEW instantly declaring it a, a, a knockout and WWE is dead and instantly saying on the opposite that AEW was a joke. This is their first true pay-per-view. And they delivered in a huge way that we're still going to talk about. But it really, I, I started seeing it early on on social media that, wow, there is no, like, there's no middle ground. <laughs> it was just, 
they super hated it or super didn't. And I'm like, gosh, we haven't even gotten to the actual pay-per-view yet. And we got people really complaining. Oh, yeah. But again, because we've discussed this before. This isn't a new discussion, right? And I've been all in with these guys <laughs> like that, like how I just threw that out there. But I've been all in with the Bucks and Omega and all these other guys when they were part of the Bullet Club for a long time, right? Yeah. And you have, again, half of their audience or, or the majority of their fans have been like that since the Bullet Club and ROH and, you know, watching them in like TNA and uh, and all over the place. WWE when Cody was there mm-hmm. and you just, you, they, they touch their fans, you know, they interact so much that you just can't help but like them, right? right. So you've got that portion of their fans who are their true diehard fans, right? And then you've got the portion that are just wrestling fans and love to watch them in the ring, mm-hmm. right? So you've got another portion. So, but then you've got the WWE bobbleheads, as who likes to call them as one of us likes to call them that, right? <laughs> I want to say it was you <laughs> <laughs> that are just so far up the WWE's butt that they can't get out of their own way, right? And it's not going to matter if they, if AEW had quote unquote the greatest pay per view ever, right. right? It wouldn't matter. They're still going to say, oh, it sucked. They're going to say, oh, it's bad without even giving it the ability. All right. So one, I was on Facebook earlier. One of the things I saw was they gave double or nothing um, some score like a five out of ten or something. What? And then they turned. Yeah. And they turned around and gave money in the bank like an eight out of ten. Are you kidding me? But that's the type of people you're dealing with. Yeah, you're dealing with people that don't know. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? (laughs) Of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation or a new kitchen or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open an account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Wrestling. They know sports entertainment. Yes. And they, they can't, it, they just can't fathom, just put, I'll get it in a minute, that there is actually a difference. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Again, yeah. that's... That's why I loved the NWA and WCW. Yeah. Because it was always touted as wrestling. And well, then, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was, I'm sorry. I would just say, you know, that's the thing. We got people that are so quick to jump on this bandwagon of, oh, they're burning down. <laughs> or 
they're barely going to get off the ground to no mid-ground and actually saying, wait a minute, this is what put TNA in a position to fail when they said, oh, no, they're going to bury him. No. Right. And they're going to compete with him. No. Are they going to be on on Tuesday nights? Sure. Is it going to struggle for SmackDown? Yeah, it is. Because they're going to have to force SmackDown to up their game. And I think that's great. But that's because the business thrives from that. And yeah, but remember, SmackDown, SmackDown is going to move. Yes. If there is any interaction, it's that's going right. to be for maybe a month. Right. And then they go to Friday nights, I think it is. Yeah, you're right. And that, and that should be a good indicator for those fans that are on the fence. And let's just point it out, because I think in order to go forward, sometimes you have to look behind you and recognize where you came from. You know, you a lot of people have said, and I understand where they say this, you know, from the ashes of what WCW was, there is now All Elite Wrestling. To an extent, to a large extent, I do agree with that. But you got to be careful because that's not what Cody and the guys are looking for. That's not what Tony Zahn signed up for. These guys are providing you with, it's not an alternative anymore. This is a legitimate product. Well, this is not, as Brian said, this is not a sports entertainment product. No, this is professional wrestling. And it's all types. It's Lucha Libre. It's strong style. It's British strong style. It's American. And trust me when I tell you this, right? So there's another style that is going to come into play Mm -hmm. that – most wrestling fans have never witnessed. And that is going to be what we call like an extreme hardcore. When you have Havoc and you now have Moxley and you have Dreamer and you have some of these other guys that are going to show you, you know, quite possibly what a death match looks like. Yes. And they're going to do it in a way that you've never seen it before because they're going to be allowed to do it, you're going to see so many different styles. And you're going to see something that tells an actual story. Right. You're going to see the psychology play out. We saw that the entire night. There's a lot of a lot of pieces that, yeah, there's some improvement parts, but every show has that. And, yes, there's questions that can be asked. I get that. But the focal point needs to be here on the huge monumental success that double or nothing really and truly was. Case in point, the introduction of Jim Ross. You know, now Jim Ross did a very, I would say, a a justifiable or a a positive chance or stint in New Japan for access. Could he have been better? Sure. But I think that's familiarity. That just takes time. Jim Ross came to play and as the night went on, got better and better. We haven't seen this kind of Jim Ross in almost 20 years. And that's WWE's fault, not their credit. Jim Ross still remains at the top of the game when it comes to play-by-play. When it comes to play-by-play, folks, you've got Excalibur, you got Mauro Ranallo, you got Jim Ross, and by the way, this is not in any certain order. Um, Matt Stryker, who I still consider to be one of the best in the game. I still consider Joey Styles to be one of the best in the game. Uh, I felt I felt like Alex Marvez did a decent job. I don't know that he was 
you know, prepared to go move for move and word for word with Jim Ross. But this is a science, guys. It's it's a process. They're learning each other. So, you know, no commentary team gets it right all the time. As we've learned, you know, there's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of knowing when to shut up and when to keep talking. And that's not always easy to tell. So you got to give these guys a chance to blossom. It's just it's no different than any other business that you want to support. Yeah, but, but again, though, you know, it's like I said, you have wrestling fans mm-hmm. and then you have sports entertainment fans. True. The wrestling fans are, again, are going to be the ones that will go to the fire hall that's right across the street when the marquee says pro wrestling. Yep. And the sports entertainment fans are going to be the one to look out the window Wonder why there's a hundred people showing up at this fire hall. What's pro wrestling? It doesn't say WWE. So they're going to close the curtain, lock the door and go, you know, play Minecraft or, or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That's the difference here. This is what people don't understand. The wrestling fans, we understand that there are two groups of people, yep. right? The WWE bobbleheads don't understand why we have to, whereas wrestling fans understand we have to and understand we can have to because yeah. we're so versed in Japanese wrestlers, Japanese promotions, you know, New Japan, ROH, CMLL, AAA, TNA, WWE, AEW, any number of local independent federations. And we all keep up with that. And it's okay. That's what people have to understand. It's okay if AEW is not for you. Will there be plenty of room on the bandwagon in six months when you decide to come watch? Sure. We're not going to turn you away. Come watch. Come enjoy what most of us grew up with. Yeah, I would say that there's there's so much to really unpack and we're going to dedicate as much time as possible to making sure we unpack each piece of what all elite wrestling did. Um, I wanted to, you know, touch on, and we'll continue to touch on it because there's some points here that I, I really feel passionate about it that I saw on social media when it comes to certain parts of the pay-per-view, but we go from, you know, Kip Sabian winning against uh, Sammy Guevara, which again, tremendous matchup to the live edition of Being the Elite, which I thought was really cool. Um, you Although, know, I got cut off. Oh, I apologize. No, well, no, no, no. I So, I was all up into it. It's like, oh, this is going to be good. And then, you know, just like any typical pay-per-view, you get the FBI warning sign. So, I only caught part of the entrance where they were talking. And then when I came back, we were right into the first match. Yeah, the the way that was laid out when they they did the, hey, here's being the elite coming out and doing their, hey, welcome to Double or Nothing, la, 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 we're making history. The FBI warning does come on at kind of an inopportune time, and it did make it awkward for a lot of viewers. I think that's something that um, – that AEW or AEW 
is going to learn from. And I think they'll, going forward, make the adjustments that they need. Um, it was... It's it's safe to assume that you're going to run into some production type issues along the mm-hmm. way, um, and and if if we're really being honest, this is just you know the elite out of character talking to the fans, saying hey, thank you so much, welcome to the party, kind of thing. So you know, thankfully, you didn't lose a whole lot. Um, right. But, but and and, and the careful. reason you didn't lose a whole lot is because they didn't go out there for 20 minutes and gab their mouths. Right. Very that good. segment was over in about a minute and a half to two minutes. And that's including the, the video package of them walking through the arena, the video game style intro, and then the Young Bucks, Omega, Cody, and Brandy coming out there, grabbing a mic and goofing off for, you know, a minute. And then you get the FBI warning for 30 seconds, 45 seconds. You come back, and they're gone. They weren't out there for 20 minutes. Hey, and by the way, what, what's up with them not letting uh, Cody's do the welcome? <laughs> they're all like, no, I want to say it. No, I want to say it. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I am, by the way, waiting for the love triangle with Brandy. It's going to happen. You know this is going to happen, right? <laughs> no. Man, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be Cody, Kenny, and Brandon. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they'll get into that. I don't think they will. He's, he's got lust in his eyes for Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so Brian brings up the FBI warning that comes up, and I wanted to touch on this. Look, we're all wrestling fans. All of us come from multiple different financial backgrounds. I understand. The fifty dollar price tag is what it is, but mm. <clears throat> sixty. Sixty. Well, here's Got the deal, folks. If you're going to support a business, then put your money on the table and support them. If right. you're not, just shut your mouth. Don't don't say I want to stream it. Don't don't do that. Keep your mouth shut. Do what you're going to do, but don't go bragging about it. Mm-hmm. One, you're going to get caught because you're stupid. And two, you're not supporting it. And you don't deserve the right to be recognized as one of the supporters. I understand not everybody has the money for it. So get with a buddy. Rob, Brian, and I often do this (laughs) where we get together and we watch it together. But if you can't, you can't. I understand that. I empathize with that. But that's kind of where it ends. You start talking about how you're a true blue fan and all of that, but you can't plunk down the money then don't talk about it. Shut your lips and let the fans that are putting their money forward do the talking. Because mm-hmm. that's where we get this mixed message of I've been down since day one and all this other garbage. No, you haven't. Because you stole. You stole from AEW and you stole from Fight TV and you stole from the pay-per-view providers. You stole. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. I mean, I understand it, but it doesn't mean I want to hear about it. Your personal financial trauma is not my personal financial trauma. And to boot, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is okay. Yeah, I and I actually think I came across maybe three last night just running through Facebook while the show was starting. Yeah. That, you know, they were – they had their phones out. 
recording their TV and broadcasting it live. Yeah. And and I look, it's not that I don't get it. I do get it. But guys, I mean, really, first off, you're going to get caught. Your real name is on these Facebook accounts. It, 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 this is not the Wild West of the Internet anymore in the late 90s. <laughs> you can get caught, moron. So that's the first part. But the other part is, on your Facebook or your Twitter, you're claiming you're a big supporter and you're going to do this. And you're going to watch it because you want the boys to be successful. But you really don't because you don't want to put any money for Guys, it's a business. If they don't make money, they don't stay in business. And if they don't stay in business, you now have no room to complain because you are responsible, partially, for them not being successful. Yep. Yeah. And was it really worth it for the maybe three people that were watching your live stream? Now, I mean, I I think the most I saw was 18 on one one stream. um, So. I read that there was one stream that had over 20,000 viewers mm. and another stream that got shut down specifically by the FBI. Well, there you go. While one guy got away with it, another guy probably went to jail. Well, yeah, but however, are they going to get away with it on Tuesday when they open their offices back up? Or are they going to make a, you know, prove a point and have by Wednesday have paperwork for you. You know, I kind of hope they do. I kind of hope they do because I mean, Hey, look, you're right. It wasn't cheap, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, if you're playing cards and I like this analogy, you're going to either, you're either going to ante up or you're going to fold. <laughs> it's not in between. You don't reach to the guy next to you and take his money. Well, do you have a calculator? Uh, I do. Let me grab that out. Here. Oh, yeah, grab your calculator. Let's just, let's just prove a point here. Right. So okay. let's prove a point. So, do 60 uh-huh. times 20,000, and let's see how much money you cost AEW last night. Wow, this is a heck of a number. 1200000 million. And you actually think that the FBI may not be interested in $1 million. Yeah, they, they're going to get that money, folks. It's going to happen. <laughs> You're not getting I under Again, I say it because I'm a fan like anybody else, but I'm also not a rich guy. I understand it's expensive. But, hey, that's why, you know, that's why they don't call it you know, it's not a mission, and it's not volunteer work. We're not talking 4-H wrestling. We're talking professional wrestling by very, very top-notch talents. And see, that's why when I bought it, I hit the option to record it. Yep. It's sitting on my DVR for me to go back and watch when Rob can come over. Yep. Because that's, I mean, realistically, we live in an age nowadays where there's always going to be access. You're, you're always going to find a way. I recognize that. All Elite recognizes that, I'm sure. But when it comes down to debut pay-per-view night, hey, the chips have to be on the table. You can't you can't just skimp out because you think this is a company like anybody else because it's not. And they prove that. Let's go into the top of the card here. SCU, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky taking on the the strong hearts of Shima, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. 
what a strong, strong way to start the pay-per-view. Um, you know, all six individuals had their real standout moments. Uh, there was a moment where a triple team led into a German suplex from the Stronghearts that, I mean, was like a tenth of a second from a three. There was uh, hitting in the Angels' wings. There was, I mean, there were so many standout um, high spots that that I almost lost track. Mm-hmm. And, and let me for a debut for the the Stronghearts. I was so impressed. You know, I, I was so glad that they're going to be a part of this because yep. they mix very well with SCU. Yeah, Shima, I mean, we've seen Shima before. We know what Shima's all about, but uh, T-Hawk and L. Lindemann were tremendous, and they were standouts. Um, so much of this action took place on the run <laughs> that you, you needed to almost replay it in slow-mo just to follow it all. It was fast, um, and it was not a lack of any kind of psychology. There wasn't any kind of lack of selling or anything like that, which – Hey, we all know the, and complain about how sometimes Ring of Honor doesn't provide us with that. That's not what happened here tonight. This is this was a it was fast paced action. It was high flying. It was hard hitting, but it it told a story and it was specific with how he, how they did it. Uh, mm-hmm. SU comes out on top after a moon salt tombstone combo. Kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous and unexpected. I definitely didn't see it. Oh yeah, I, I I mean that was a great way to get the crowd into it. Uh, it was a great way to start the night, officially start the night. Um, I was you know kind of glad SCU won, but I I really though did enjoy uh, the the other three, and I thought they mixed very well together with SCU. So hopefully we'll get like some little feud out of it. It, you know what would be kind of cool? You remember the uh, the the Young Dragons and uh, Three Count, the little mm-hmm. menu that they had back in the day? It kind of reminded me of that. Of course, you know, we know that SCU and, and the Stronghearts are much, much further along in their careers, a lot more veteran than anything else. But it kind of reminded me of their pacing. Mm-hmm. So very good. We, we go from SCU really having a great matchup, great victory, to the women's matchup. Which uh, had some surprises that I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, so Britt Baker hits the ring. So does Kylie Ray and Nyla Rose. By the way, each individual entrance was great. Um, and there was a comment earlier in the week during press conferences from Cody about how their women's division in AEW is better than the... <laughs> The inflatable Bailey buddy, huggable, fake nice people. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to point out something about this because this is important. A lot of fans were saying this was a shot. Guys, Cody and the guys are in the business of entertainment just as much of wrestling. It's no different than anybody else being funny or being flip. And by the way, I sincerely doubt the folks up north took that direct comment as like, oh, my God, it's insulting. No, no, come on. Well, I, all right, so I think, I I don't know if they took it, like, to heart, 
But I think somebody up north is seriously just like writing everything down. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Like, uh, on this day, they said this. And on this day, they, you know, because, again, AEW is trying to provoke a war. Because, mm-hmm. again, if, if you were around and watching it during the Monday Night Wars, that's when wrestling was at its best. Right? Yep. And the fans are pushing for this. AEW's receptive to it. WWE, not quite so much. So I think it's these little, and I think they're shots. I, I really do think they're shots that they're just, you know, pumping out there just to get a reaction, just to see if they can, you know, I, I guess, awaken the sleeping giant, so to speak, just to try and get a rise out of them. Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> I say that about the comments that were, you know, indirectly about Bailey. He doesn't name her by name. Right. Because later on in the night, there are some very direct full metal jacket shots taken. And we'll talk about that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So wait a second. So while we're talking about little shots. Right, yeah. When did didn't. So when Cody shows up with Pharaoh and like I told my wife, that's pretty bad. I know the dog's name. Right. So, you know, yeah. So when when Cody shows up in the SUV, yeah, I think it was SUV or was it a truck? Maybe it was a truck. Like a limo pickup truck. Yeah. So that was more towards the beginning, right? Uh huh. Okay. so let's pause for a second. Rewind the tape there. And I'm going to tell you about a shot that I found out today that I completely missed. And I'm sure. Almost everybody else did, except for that one eagle-eyed fan that you just got to love. Because those are the guys that tell you about these little Easter eggs that you have to go then go back and watch and be like, holy cow, how did I miss that? All right, so let's rewind the tape. All right, in classic fashion, you get this very nice car pull up. You see Pharaoh on one side. Brandy hops out the passenger seat. And then there's Cody hops out the rear passenger seat. All right. So you're tracking, you know where I'm at? Yep. All right. So Cody gets Pharaoh and then hands Pharaoh off. Right? Yep. Do you remember what they give Cody? Uh, No, actually, I don't. Okay. So they give him a coffee cup. Right? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, a Starbucks coffee, yeah. Right, and what does every Starbucks coffee cup have around it? One of those warmer thingies. Right. Well, guess what was written on that little warmer thingy? Oh, no. I have And I actually had to go back as soon as I got home, throw the old DVR on, find the spot, and I asked my wife, just so I could make sure that I saw this correctly, what did she see? What did it? What did and it? she said, just like me, the initials F T R <laughs> are written on the coffee cup. That's amazing. Yes, and it comes on the heels of the revival supposedly turning down a contract extension for a very large sum of money for five years from the WWE. <laughs> wow. So, I did not see that. Wow. Yes. And again, I went back and looked. I asked her first, what do you see? She saw the same as me. So, I mean, but it's, there's another parting shot or, you know, yeah. like boom. And not, not for you. But for the boys, yeah, you know, hey, there's a spot. Don't worry about them. You're better than that. You know, come over here. Yeah. But anyway, so let's let's get back. I want to throw that little Easter egg out. I've been waiting all day to do it. That... So I'm sure right now all the DVRs are kicking up and everybody's finding the spot and be like, holy cow, tomorrow's going to be all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And the, and the thing is, let's not forget when it comes to FTR, there was a cease and desist sent out. <laughs> was, right. You know, the yes. WWE has been very specific about what they will and won't allow. Right. Uh, so let's go to the women's division where we get the first surprise of many for the night. Uh, Brandy Rhodes comes out in her gear for a special announcement. And by the way, Allie, um, wow, she's actually very good on at the broadcast table. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed her take. <clears throat> so Allie comes out, and excuse me, Brandy comes out. Allie says, wait a minute, she's not getting involved in the match, is she? And you think that that's what she's getting ready to answer. But no. The answer is she wanted someone to make sure that it would be awesome. Out comes awesome calm. This place erupted when her music and her name shows up on the big screen, and it was so cool to see Awesome Kong back in the ring. And how long has it been since he's been out? Wow. Well, I, I guess, like in a in a in a uh, promotion, you know, ring. But she's been with Glow for what two seasons now. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I I think she showed up a few times at other places, but you know, she's been filming this show and you know, I, I hate to say it, but I did kind of mark out myself, uh, I definitely did <laughs> on the chat string, yeah. you know, between me, you and Rob, you know, was, yeah. I went nuts with the K's and the O's and the N's <laughs> and the G's and the G's. Yeah. And the exclamation points. I was, I was, <laughs> I, was I was into it. It was, um, it was a great moment. And it was, again, the first of many moments that we got. But this matchup really, really was great. Uh, Nyla Rose had a tremendous showing for herself. 
Britt Baker, Kylie Ray, of course, they delivered in a big, big way. I was a little surprised at the winner of this matchup only because it felt like to me they were trying to get Kylie Ray as the primary focus. Um, but that was just my opinion. I mean, you know, Britt Baker clearly is going to be one of their top players. Uh, you know, Awesome Kong had a role to play. There was a, a, a spot there where Nyla Rose hits a spear on Kong into the steps, which clearly took both of them out of commission. And we see the finish with a super kick from Britt Baker and then a lift like into like a face buster. But it was more like a, a neck breaker kind of thing. But it was it was <laughs> it looked rough. I'm not going to say it didn't. It looked rough, but it was a great way to finish the matchup. Britt Baker coming out with the win in the fatal four way for the women's division. And, and I think Britt has improved so much from all in. Yeah, very much. Right. So. And all in, I, I was OK. This you can see potential, you know, but she wasn't quite polished. Mm-hmm. Last night she was so polished, and I mean, even the one spot where Kong, the the superplex, were uh, into the, I don't know, the double power bomb, you know, that Kong did in the corner. Um, you know which spot I'm talking about? Yeah, there was a uh, well. First off, where Kong- I think it was not they were gonna suplex Nyla. From the from the second rope, and then Kong runs through and grabs Britt and Smiley, and takes them down, which then yeah. brings over Nyla. They should give that a spot a damn name. Uh, it was, um, you know, they had the the Tower of Doom thing where Kong hits that uh, power bomb when they're going for the superplex. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where she gets two of them. Um, that yeah, was, that's the spot. Uh, that looks difficult to prepare. Uh, the first thought I had was, how do you communicate how this is going to go down? <laughs> you get over here. You get over here. I'm going to run over here. And when I grab both of you, we're all going down together. It's like, what, what? <laughs> You're going to do what? Yeah. But, it, but, it, I, but I wouldn't have seen her doing that last year. No, no, definitely not. Much less a suicide dive. Right. Um, you know, Kylie Ray had a great showing for herself. Um and honestly, Awesome Kong, you know, for what she's been up to as far as with Glow, there's nothing that says she can't make a return and be more of a, a formidable player. We don't know that. Yeah, well, I don't know if this is a one-off because if you remember the the uh, commentary, Brandy's got a, a match coming up with um, – ah, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Allie? No, Allie. Allie. Right, Allie. And I think Allie said she was supposed to be bringing somebody. Mm-hmm. So there's a possibility that, you know, it may be Kong or it may be another surprise. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to <laughs> you gotta wonder what's going to be next for Awesome Kong there. But I, I really do feel like that she's probably going to have more of a larger role to play. Um, if there is somebody that can kind of lead the way and guide some of these ladies... I think Awesome Kong is that person. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think you're going to need somebody to almost counterbalance uh, Nyla Rose. True, true. And um, until they bring in like a Jessica Havoc or somebody like that, I think Awesome Kong fills that role quite nicely. Uh, we go from 
the ladies' division to tag team action. Hey, quick update as far as All Elite Wrestling's changes from what everyone else has done. The tag team division will feature a 10-count rather than a 5-count for double-team tandem maneuvers. So this played a role throughout every tag match, and honestly, it made the tag matches much more entertaining, much more fast-paced. I think this is a brilliant way to speed up activity without having to add any other kind of super-secret kind of plan thing. This is something that really helped um, and it helped us follow the action and make it a little bit quicker. We had the best friends, Trent Beretta and <laughs> Chuck, uh, Taylor. Chuck, yep, Chuck yeah. Taylor against Jack Evans and Angelico, who, hey, if you haven't seen Jack Evans and Angelico from Lucha Underground, let me tell you, it's time to head to YouTube and look these people up. Tremendous talents. And I'm glad to see them in All Elite. But this tag team match, you know, I'll be honest, Brian, I didn't understand what happened that made Trent Beretta just basically take a beating <laughs> for uh, for a majority in the matchup. But good God, did he ever take a beating? Yeah, I, I, I think it was just, uh, you know, luck of the draw, maybe. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think it was, you know, the 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 best friends or whatever. And maybe Taylor's like, well, we're friends, but we're not that good friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder if they're like, uh, so you're the you're the guy in peril tonight. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, <laughs> not Trent. against Helico and Evans. No, thank yeah. you. Trent, wear them down with your face. I'm right there for you, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna run into their fist with my face. <laughs> um, there was a. You know, a, a tandem doomsday device dropkick. There was a 630 from Jack Evans. There was, um, I mean, blockbuster DDTs, Pele kicks, a lung blower, a razor's edge into a lung blower. What the heck is that even? How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, these are ridiculous high-fly maneuvers. Um, a suplex from Angelico to Evans onto Beretta, who then switches up into a 450 in midair. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was insane. Um, looking at this matchup, I loved it. Just loved it. Um, best friends pick up the win after a scrunchy driver. Yeah, I said it. Tag team scrunchy driver. Um, but then we see the debut that I think if there's a, a, a part that could have been done differently, this would have been one of them. Um, the debut of the Super Smash Brothers in All Elite Wrestling. Now, I'm not going to try to say, hey, I'm super familiar with these guys. These are great talents, blah, 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 blah. I don't know a whole lot about them. That being said, Jim Ross didn't know who they were. The crowd didn't know who they were. And that really hurt the presentation of the tag team, putting a beating on everybody in the ring. Doesn't mean it didn't work. It just definitely hurt the presentation on television. Yeah, I think it might have been nice, especially on TV, for again, for somebody to be like, ta-da, this is who these people are. Right, right. Like, and, if Excalibur had been like, oh, my God, it's the Super Smash Brothers, that would have made such a huge difference rather than Jim Ross going, I, I, again, sir, I'm not really sure who these guys are. Right. Uh, you got to back up. <laughs> go, okay, Jim, it's time to 
figure these yeah because even like with uh evans and i'm not gonna be able to pronounce and and angelico or what however you say it right <laughs> and i just yeah there you go I, some words i just can't roll properly it's just but, like who care <laughs> yeah yeah who care? but uh but even with like them so i wasn't super familiar with them but there were they were at least able to tell me that they were in one promotion and held the tag team titles for like six years or something. So it's like that just gives them credibility already. And then I don't even think I found out the name of that, uh, the super smash brothers until sometime today. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. Like I've, I've heard of the super smash brothers. I know that they're a great tag team simply from what I've read, but I would never try to profess myself as any kind of expert on them. Right. Same can be said about the next matchup we're going to talk about. And this is where, as a fan, I had trouble. And, you know, Brian can attest to this because I was telling him before we went on the air tonight. The only matchup that confused me or got me a little bit lost in this show was this matchup. Six-woman tag match between, and right out of the gate, I'm going to pronounce these names. And if I botch it, it's all Rob's fault because he's not here. Emi Sakura, Aja <laughs> Kong, Yuka Saka. Sakazaki versus Ryo Muzanami, Ryo Muzanami, Hikarora Shida. There we go. Wow. Probably not the best, but I'm getting there. I'll get it. Um, Not to say this match was bad. Definitely was not bad, but it was hard for me to follow. And I truly felt like uh, there was like a five count action going on instead of a three count. Like, I don't know what the pacing was with the with the pinfalls, but uh, yeah. I, was, well, I, <laughs> I, I think that I think the pacing may have been a little too fast for the ref too, as in like he might have been, uh, you know, moving in slow motion where the yeah. where the the six of them were. Well, I guess five of them were moving at super speed. Um, <laughs> they definitely were, except for Kong. Yeah, Kong. <laughs> Aja Kong's just like I'm gonna stand here and you yeah. just come to me. Try me, run into me, ha <laughs> ha. You know. Um, but all right, so for 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 me, I really enjoy watching uh, Japanese female wrestlers because I that pace that they have and the fluidness of the match and the the way they just kind of seem to float sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It is just so amazing to me that I actually really enjoyed this and I would put it in, in one of the higher spots. If I had that go through and rank every match, I would actually put it pretty high. Um, the one girl um, on Kong's team with like the more of the, uh, the monk clothes. Oh yeah. Yeah. The way she would just jump up onto the rope and stand there and then come off. I, I mean, you don't get to see that every day. And again, they, they just run a different pace. And yep. when it, when it's on, it's on. And when it's off, sometimes you can really see it's off. The comfort zone that they have on the top rope is, is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, like you described the one young lady who basically stood there and just could have did whatever she wanted. She could have did yoga. She probably could have read a book. Ate an apple, whatever, and then mm-hmm. jump, 
I mean, she was ready. <laughs> and you could see that there were, there were parts of this matchup that flowed wonderfully. Um, and then I think, I think you're right, Brian. I think the referee maybe got a little bit lost in the action, which can happen, especially if you've never worked with these people before. Right. Um, and we don't know that. I mean, we know that there's a plethora of people that were on this roster and announced, but we have no idea if they've ever worked together. Um, but again, this matchup wasn't, it certainly wasn't bad. Uh, there's some great moments where there was a trash can lid and a kendo stick kind of battling back and forth. Uh, they have like a sword fight with it where Kong ultimately smacks the trash can off of someone's head, which literally had bounced off her head. It looked like and, it. and went went like a row into the crowd, too. Yes, yes. It flung up into the air, yeah. which was kind of nuts. And, um, and let me t- let me point this out, too. Their chops were some of the loudest of anybody all night long. And here's something I learned just the other day. So chops, when you watch a super kick or a chop, what are you looking for usually? The connection. Right. You're looking where the foot goes, where the hand goes. Did you ever think that you would ever find out about somebody slapping their leg on a chop? I just read about this the other day. Apparently there are people in the industry that do this. If you're doing chops, you're doing them wrong. (laughs) <laughs> look i'm not a fan of taking chops i'm a guy that will tell you they hurt like hell but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to slapping your leg to make the chop sound louder is not the way to do it sounds like a rideback shortcut if i ever heard one <sighs> yeah, you would you would almost have to be so coordinated to get one hand going horizontal and the other one going more vertical right you know it's like chewing gum and, and, and walking or whatever at the same time. It just can't be done. I don't I don't know who taught you that way. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Doesn't well, yeah, getting back to it though, I, I am I you know, I, I enjoyed uh the one that looked like Freddie Mercury when she came out with the with the mustache and the jacket and the, the microphone. Uh I'm really glad that they've said that these they're gonna be part of the roster. I don't expect to see them every time, but, it, you know, I'm going to enjoy when they get in there and the, the style start mixing up. You know, seeing Aja Kong in there reminded me of her feuds with uh, Medusa and her matches with Medusa. Um, that spinning back fist that she delivers, still one of the stiffest shots in the business. Period. Oh, and and what about the, the – the, I think she came out first on the team opposite Kong. Uh, I don't remember her name. She had like the little um, ballerina type skirt on. Oh, yeah, with the princess attire. Yeah. Yes. And they said she was like 21 years old and been wrestling for like 13 years. Yes. You know, in in, um, Japan and China, there is not a legal age limit to start wrestling. That is. You have to be trained, but that's right. But it, ba- it, I mean, it was truly a baffling statement. Like, so you've heard of people over in England, like Stephen Regal, who started yeah. at a very early age, right? And you hear about people in uh, Mexico and down in South America that started at an early age. But I don't think I've ever heard of anybody starting at nine. Yeah, that's that's uh, even past like Rey Mysterio. <laughs> that's because Mysterio started at like thirteen, I think. Right. And and if they treated that nine year old like they treated Hogan, 
Are oh. you kidding me? Oh my God. Ah, so you want to wrestle, huh, kid? Snap. <laughs> Come back when your leg's fixed. You know? Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> nuts. So, but yeah, I, 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 this is this. I'll have to disagree. I'll probably disagree with most people on this particular match. But for all the kind of missed spots and all the the, you know, the ref and all that, I really enjoyed that match. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I didn't like it at all or anything. I enjoyed it, but I definitely got lost. I, I can I can empathize with uh, the referee and some of the fans in attendance. I got lost in the action. But when it moves that quick, sometimes it's easy to get kind of caught up. And, and I think right. that – I don't want to sound like an apologist, but I want to be able to explain it from a proper perspective of saying it makes sense if you've not seen it before to be like, what's going on? What's happening here? Right. Um, so we go from a very fast-paced, action-packed matchup to one that um, I actually missed because I had to deal with some other stuff. But I did catch the pre-match activity, which we're going to lay out here. So, okay, first and foremost, I joked earlier and said, okay, so Cody's uh, comments about maybe Bailey were, you know, subconscious, not real shots taken. This, what happened in the pre-match, that's a deliberate shot Full metal jacket aimed right between the eyes of one Triple H. <laughs> and I don't care what anybody says. It's aiming at the McMahons and Triple H. Um, Cody Rhodes comes out for the first time um, an active active action for all of the wrestling. Um, you know, basically stating wrestling has only one royal family. I'm inclined to agree with that, by the way. Maybe two if you put the hearts in there. Um Oh, I don't know. Now you got the flares in there. I mean, the, yeah, the and the Eric's. All right, all yeah. right. So a lot of families that are prestigious. <laughs> That's a good point. But he comes out there and he comes to the ring, and I'm like, this is a cool entrance. Cody always has a cool entrance anyway. Mm. But then Brandon. No, no, no. Yeah, but uh, 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 you have to tell them what's on the stage prior right. to him coming out. So Cody's music hits. He does not come to the ring yet. A spotlight hits center of the stage, and there's a throne with skulls nearby it. Prompted in the, up. In the, uh, I believe it's the Iron Cross. Right, which is basically Triple H's logo, right? Mm-hmm. So instantly you know something here is going to happen. King on a throne, something like that, right? So we hear the, the phrase, a wrestling has only one royal family. Cody comes to the ring. Brandy joins him. They look at the throne. They head to the ring. At first, you're like, okay, maybe this is a subtle nod. No, no, no. <laughs> Not so. Brandy goes under the ring and gets a sledgehammer. Okay, now the gun's loaded. <laughs> Hands it to Cody. Cody goes to the throne and smashes it with one swing of the hammer. The crowd goes ballistic, chance for Cody. Um, instantly, social media goes on a rant. You know, one half is like, oh, what a dick move. He's making fun of Triple H. And then other people are like, Cody's a god. He's making fun of Triple H. But you're now going from tiptoeing into the battle lines to I'm spitting in your face. I'm breaking into your fridge. I'm drinking your beer. And I'm sleeping with your wife. Jeez. I didn't know we were going all there, but okay. that's how deliberate that shot was. I mean, do you disagree? 
No, no, no. But I, I would liken it to say is if you had a, you know, like a, a, a battleship, right? And you had the guns loaded and you pulled that battleship right into the port and you blew up the dock master's little hut. You know what I'm saying? You just yeah, exactly. put all guns on it and just obliterate it. There is no doubt that <laughs> that's a shot. There's no doubt about it. There's no way you get around it. I mean, and I'm the guy, if you look at my Twitter account right now, you'll see where I'm like, guys, come on, you know, relax. He's entertaining the crowd. He's not trying to stir up anything. He doesn't care. I admit it. I said that. <clears throat> Obviously, that tweet didn't age well. <laughs> because when Cody comes out and smashes the throne, uh, hey, it's not shots fired. It's war declared. Yeah. We're actively attacking your company. And I'm here for it. I, I got to tell you that at first I'm like, man, I don't really want to see a war. I just want them to be successful. I still want them to be successful. But I do want to see a war. Because right. a war makes everyone better. Right. And those that aren't supposed to be in business, they get eliminated, which is also a benefit. We'll get to that a little bit more as we go forward. <clears throat> Brian, I'll let you handle the matchup itself because this is where I had to step out. And, and it's a good thing you did step out because um, knowing what happens to you <laughs> around the site of a certain red liquid. Uh, um oh. Get me the smelling salts. You you would probably still be out right now. Like literally, um, I cannot recall the last time I've seen a bloodbath like that. It was so I, I understand it was part of the story. Now, for those of you that don't know, this is something that they pushed for back when they were in the WWE together, mm -hmm. right? I, I think Cody is the one who comes out and says it. Either Cody or Dustin, there, there's a video with them talking. I forget what WrestleMania it was. Um, WrestleMania 30. Yes. All right. So WrestleMania 30, they were supposed to have this big program leading up to WrestleMania. Boom. That match gets scrapped, and they, show, they, they continue it on some pay-per-view that doesn't mean nothing. Right, really, really, just kind of grinds it into the to the Rhodes family. Right, they they were supposed to have their moment in this program. Nope, it's passed over. Not going to do it, and it's done on some like an in your house or you know some crazy pay per view like that that doesn't mean nothing. And by the so way, stop. Yeah, so this this is not something that they just concocted. This is a a storyline that has just they they were able to finish it the way it should have been finished but because of where you were at in the PG rating it never would have made it okay if that makes sense yep because although i was pleading at the tv for somebody to stop this thing <laughs> there was that much blood, you know. Wow! Somebody, please stop yeah, this. It's bad. If Brian's like, somebody just throw the damn. Towel. <laughs> yeah, somebody throw it's the talent. Throw the damn towel. Yeah, I don't know how Dustin is still moving. I mean, literally, 
I, I, I can't. Uh, by the time Cody is done, Cody is red. Yeah, so I saw the post-match footage, and it looked like both of them were covered in Dustin's blood. Yes, the 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 mat, the 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 ring apron, and you know the all that that is Dustin. Cody didn't bleed. That mm. is all Dustin left How on, the, on the ground. Bust open. Do what? How early on did he get busted? Uh, it's it's I'd say it's probably in the first uh, twenty five to thirty percent of the match. Uh, so basically, what happens is Cody is set up in uh, one of the turnbuckles, and uh, Dustin, you know, of course, drapes the legs outside the ropes, and he's mm-hmm. going to do the 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 kick in the nuts. The shattered. Well, me. yeah. So Cody being Cody reaches down and rips the turnbuckle off. So now you have the exposed eye ring or, or loop, uh, you know, the, the metal piece and Dustin's, you know, pauses for a second because he can't do it now. You know, if he did it, he might break a foot. And then, um, next thing, you know, uh, there's a spot where Dustin, basically catches his head on the exposed ring rolls outside uh, and maybe after Cody, you know, went to expose the wound a little bit and he's laying outside and, or after, I think Brandy smacks him or kicks him or something first. And then he's laying outside. Right. And then Brandy, the ref sees Brandy or throws her out uh, as she's walking up the, 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 uh, the ramp. DDP comes out and basically carries her off. All right. Well, DDP is so, the one with lust in his eyes for Brandy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, maybe we'll finish that stalker uh, oh, no. storyline too. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bad. It's getting bad quick. <laughs> Dang it, Cody. Uh, but anyway, so so literally, so Dustin is laying there facing the 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 ring apron while all this is going on with Brandy, right? Well, when they come back, they show, like, Dustin, and he's kind of got his head up off the ground, and all there is is this little puddle. I won't say little, but there's a puddle of bright red blood, and it might even have a little whiteness in it to where, you know, it's oxygenated. Ew. And it's like, how did that happen that quick? Some oxygen. (laughs) Yeah. How did that happen that quick, right? Ew. But he doesn't get up. He kind of like he he's then shifted to another spot. And again, as soon as they show the mat, there's another puddle, right? Oh my god, <laughs> dude! I'm not kidding you. Like every time they show him, it is just running off of his face like a faucet. So this literally sounds worse than the Sid Goldberg match at Halloween Havoc. Yeah, all right, so I want you to go back and think like Terry Funk, Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> you, My God, you know, uh, uh, Ric Flair in the '80s, where you know he or a cage match from the '80s, you Jeez. know, where they would just they would fling their hair back, and, and blood would fly all over the place. Blood yeah. would fly all over the place. Yes, it was absolutely the grossest thing I've seen. However. As far as a story goes, it was immaculate. 
with the way they told that story, and it all made sense, right? I even thought about it this morning when I woke up. I was like, man, did he really have to bleed that much? And then I was like, yes, because if it had only been a little bit, everything that came after him bleeding wouldn't have made sense. Do you see what I'm saying? I would agree. I would agree because I came back right at the right at the finish, and right. I agree but, with you because the way the, the way it lays out, it wouldn't have mattered as much. And, and I'm telling you, so this would have to be, you know, for again for all the the sickness he gives me, you, you know, with all the blood, it has to be my favorite match of the night. Oh wow, really? Because Yes. So literally, I mean, you're talking a story that has gone on for years, right? Mm -hmm. The story that, you know, uh, what was it back in the WWE when they first started it? You know, oh, I hate you because of this. I hate you because of that. It then involves Dusty. You know, it involves the McMahons and the way they shaft Dusty. And then, you know, the way they don't, they, they get put together and then ripped apart. And then, you know, there's this little feud they have that doesn't really go anywhere, doesn't get the credit it deserves, and, you know, doesn't get the payoff, mm-hmm. you know. And then flash forward throughout the years, the little shots that they may take against each other along the way, you know. Knowing that tonight was the payoff it's originally deserved. Mm-hmm. There, there was not a, a, a spent move in the sense that there was not a move that didn't make sense. There was not, you know, it wasn't a, you know, I'm going to put you in a headlock for 10, 15 minutes. I mean, everything just absolutely made sense. And so. Then, go ahead. No, go ahead. So there's a couple parts I wanted to point out. Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, still a young man in this industry. Dustin, on the other hand, in his 50s. Um, let's talk about the fact that Dustin Rhodes performs a Spanish fly. Are you kidding? <laughs> Amazing. Why? And again, so this match, now again, so AEW has like a 30-minute time limit. Mm-hmm. They said that multiple times. And I'm not kidding you, Dustin probably bled like a stuck pig for every bit of 15 to 20 minutes of them. Yep. If not longer than that. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about it's a cut that bleeds for a second and then dries up. I'm talking every time you saw him, it was running like a faucet. And I just simply don't know how he pulled it off. So let's get to the payoff of this matchup. And it's not necessarily the pinfall that's the payoff. No. Cody Rhodes wins after the uh, crossroads. Tremendous matchup in and of itself. I think fans are going to talk about this for a long, long time. The payoff here, though, is what happens between Cody and Dustin after the matchup. Um, well, let, let's So let's set the scene, right? Go for it. Let's set the scene. So... It's it's happened in the past where guys retire from wrestling and they take their boots off and they leave them in the ring. Yep. All right. 
So here's D- Cody's getting ready to walk out. Dustin kneels down in the center of the ring and he starts to fool with his boot. Yep. Right. To the point he's pulling laces. Now, again, the ring is covered in blood. Cody is now pink or red. His hair is not blonde anymore. He is covered in it. Dustin is bathed in it. And here he is, after all that, kneeling down, undoing his boot. And for a second, you're like, oh, this is it. This is not only history in the making with a, a brand new product on the market, but you're seeing the end of her career. A very huge career. Yeah, a legendary career. And all of a sudden, Cody turns. And he goes towards Dustin. And Dustin kind of backs up all the way into the corner. Mm-hmm. And he slides down the turnbuckle. And Cody gets the mic. Yeah, Cody... Cody basically tells Dustin, you you don't get to retire here. He says that he signed on for a match at their next event, Fight for the Fallen. And he did that signing on for a a match against the Young Bucks with a partner of his choosing. And then he does something, and I'm, I'm getting choked up just quoting it. Because this got me. And wrestling only has those magic moments every now and again that get you. And this is one of those moments because it brought me back to when Dusty Rhodes did this with Dustin Rhodes decades ago before a clash of the champions. Dustin, Dustin and Cody are looking at each other and Cody says, you know, Dustin, I don't need a partner. I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. Good God. I, I hate wrestling sometimes for getting each other. Damn it. But the emotion of the statement put both men in tears instantly. The crowd's crying. You know, they hug. Jim Ross is crying. I'm crying because I'm an idiot. (laughs) I mean, it was a beautiful storybook moment that you will never get that kind of moment again. And it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was the... the the cherry on top. Now, and there, there's a part of me just watching what Cody and the Young Bucks and Omega and Paige have done since this whole thing started to come about. And they like just to surprise people mm-hmm. with stuff. And there's part of me just based on the emotions that says Dustin may have known a little of what was coming but he didn't know, you know, the words Cody was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so all that emotion was real. I mean, first off, you know, these two guys had such an immense relationship with their father that the moment he started his promo and said what he did, I was blown. I mean, you could have caught it right then and there. I should have just tapped out and said, ah, I'm done. <laughs> Enough. Because I remember when Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater were attacking Dustin Rhodes week in and week out and week in and week out. 
And every time Dustin had a chance to call on his father, he wouldn't do it. And then finally, Dusty comes to the ring and he says, you don't need a partner. You don't need a buddy. You need your father. And it was magic. And it was a great matchup, too. So having Cody do that, and as soon as that my daughter's headphones as soon as that son of a gun (laughs) said it i was blown and in a good way i mean it was a dramatic magic moment and and brian said it best it was the cherry on top that said magic Mm -hmm. it was perfect it was dollar bills oh yeah And, and and again i i i honestly think this was It'll go down as one one for the history books for this particular match because it was it was perfect. Now I'm I'm not gonna say it was five star, okay? Mm-hmm. It was just it was like somebody painted the Mona Lisa, you know, on canvas as far as a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mona Lisa is not the most beautiful picture out there. However, it is a true work of art. And and that's, I mean, that's literally all I can say about that match, as far as I'm concerned. It's not necessarily a five-star match, but it is a true work of art by true professionals from a family that knows wrestling. And I I don't, I I can only hope that we're going to see Cody and Dustin actually face the Young Bucks and not some damn swerve. Because I don't know if I could do another Cody versus Dustin. Oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> um, because, and, and Rob has mentioned it, we've all talked about it. We truly would like to see Dustin have a main event run right. and be champion. And he's deserving of it. There's no question of that. There's no question that he could run with these guys. None of it. He deserves this opportunity. And I think Cody is the kind of person that is so unselfish that he would consider doing it, but only with the blessing of everyone else involved. And that's the amazing part of what these guys do is that because it it takes truly that type of unselfish behavior to make sure that everyone would be on board, which is very cool. Um, So we go from... A truly emotional moment where even Jim Ross says he's not crying. He just has allergies, <laughs> which, which I think might be quote of the night. <laughs> so they recap the Casino Battle Royale from uh, buy-in. And they talk about a hangman, Adam Page winning, which, hey, local guy, our favorite, Adam Page winning. Great stuff. So Jack Whitehall is in the ring introducing who's going to be introducing the AEW World Championship. And let me just tell you, as the shots get fired across the bow, perhaps not one as significant as this one, simply because of who it is that presents the championship. Um, The history between this guy and Vince McMahon is storied. And the history between him and the World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment is well known. But the impact of him appearing on now a competitor's very serious, serious pay-per-view presentation, Brett the Hitman Hart 
presents the World Heavyweight Championship for All Elite Wrestling to the crowd, which, by the way, um, just a quick production note to AEW. Hey, for us fans, maybe give us a quick, you know, I don't know, close-up of the belt so we can see it really well. Because uh, that was my only complaint about this segment because, it, gosh, it does look good. But I would like to have seen just a good high-res shot because maybe some of us want to put it, I don't know, in a video game. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Huh? <laughs> thing. Um, but this was a great segment. Um, Adam Page comes out to join Bret Hart in the ring, you know, and then out comes MJF. I don't know if I like MJF or not. I don't I don't want to say he's bad, because I don't think that's the case. I just feel like he's doing what every other bad guy has done before. But I also say that without really having seen him in the ring very much. So what separates him from the rest of the pack may still just be something I have to witness, which I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm open to that. Um, <clears throat> he, co- he comes out basically saying, you know, Adam Page can't be the uh, future of AEW. And then to me, it, it's basically copying what Cody said in his promo videos towards Dustin, where he says, you know what happens when a horse with a bum leg, you take them out back and blow their brains out and all that stuff. Like, all right, you're basically stealing, but okay, sure, go ahead, use that, use that promo if that's what you want. You know, he insults Bret Hart and Adam Page. Page apparently tries to mix it up with him, and out comes Jungle Boy, which this was actually kind of a surprise. But Jungle Boy um, apparently uh, is going to be a focal point of this company, which is kind of cool. I mean, he had a, a good showing for himself in the Battle Royal. He, he could be a surprise. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, Jimmy Havoc comes out. Now, I thought Jimmy Havoc was a bad guy. Did I miss that? Well, I, I, I think it's so <laughs> new. And again, you know, I don't know if we've really, after just a pay-per-view with limited storylines, can really define anybody other than a select few as far as good guy, bad guy yet. Okay. Um, so you, you finish your point, then I'll, I'll take a shot. I want to say that the all elite world championship right this moment in time already. And you, you know me, I'm pretty good WWE fan, but already this championship has more prestige and value than the world wrestling entertainment championship. Universal Championship and their tag team titles combined. Wow. Now, I won't say the Intercontinental and U.S. title because I still have too much respect for both. <laughs> and a damn sure has more value than the 24-7 title. But, yeah, this title is going to be hotly contested, and I can't wait to see how they crown it. Yeah. And we'll talk about Paige's opponent for that title. Shortly. Yeah, because that match is going to be great. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. So let's go ahead and go to the next segment of the show here. The AAA Tag Team Championship on the line as the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, challenge the Young Bucks, or as Matt Hardy likes to call them, the Bucks of Youth, in a matchup that was from start to finish one of my favorite tag matches that I have ever seen. 
I'm a huge Young Bucks fanatic as it is. I wouldn't say I don't like the Lucha Brothers, but I've not really followed them very much. But this match, this match delivered in a big, big way. And all four guys should be very, very proud of their efforts. Now, again, going back to the press conference, the Bucks told you there's going to be an emphasis on tag team wrestling. Yes. And those two teams went out there last night and showed you why there's going to be an emphasis on tag team wrestling. So if you change the, the traditional rules up a little bit and you give them that extra five seconds so that they can actually, you know, put some moves together and, and stretch them, you know, not really stretch, but, you know, speed the match up a little bit. There are great things for that tag team division. And these two teams deserve to be at the top. And the Young Bucks never disappoint me. Never, ever. I mean, we even got to see a super kick party. Yes, a, a mild one. Wait till you <laughs> see a really good one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> one that keeps going all night long, Daddy. <laughs> Um, where do you start with spots that really stood out with this matchup? Um, I'll name a few, Brian. You can chime in anytime. Uh, let's talk about uh, how about some of these double drop kicks. One that Nick Jackson hits in Phoenix's face that I thought connected with his jaw quite well. Um, another running enziguri that Pentagon Jr. hits on Matt Jackson. A double super kick to Nick. Um, you know, the double team moves that were in this matchup really told us a good story. Um, Matt Jackson being able to do a gorilla press? I guess it happens in All Elite. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. How about the stereo sharpshooter? What? Really? Pretty cool homage to to Brett the Hitman Hart, I thought. Um, And here's another one. Pentagon Jr. jumping off of Phoenix, hitting a Mexican destroyer to Matt on the apron. Uh, By the way, those apron shots, they... Somebody's got to talk to them because they're going to break somebody's neck. Yeah, that ring suddenly gets a little bit bigger when you use that little bit of apron outside, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, either that or your tunnel vision gets even smaller. (laughs) And least we not forget, though, the Young Bucks' greatest move, the Melter Driver, came into play. Um. So, the, no, no, not 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 hooking you on that one. Not, not gonna. I'm not dumping in. I'm not doing it. <laughs> You're all out in that one, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I like the the move, but I hate the name. <laughs> you give that guy credence and he runs with it. They they like to play on it because they think it you know helps him feel like he's part of the show. I personally. What? I think he needs to be part of any show, but that's just me. And that, now I guess SCU has the greatest Meltzer driver ever. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, anyway, let's get back to the tag team match. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to mention this. The Razor's Edge into a buckle bomb? Yes. What the hell was that? And then he hits an enziguri to, to top it off. That was ridiculous. The power bomb into sliced bread on a doomsday device setup. 
That was ridiculous. Um, I mentioned the Mexican dry, the Mexican destroyer. Um, the okay, so Pentagon Junior is known for breaking arms. He does his arm submission to Nick Jackson, and honestly, I thought he truly broke it. I thought, okay, <laughs> it's over. Call the match. His arm is done. Every single time I see that that shot, I'm sold. I'm like, this somebody just got their arm broke. And it's just it's all in the delivery. But the way they deliver it, the way they film it, the way it looks, it's just picture perfect. Um, and I don't know how, because you know there's going to be a rematch, but wow, how do you top this kind of a matchup? Uh, you include the tag team titles. That's going to be where we need to see this go next. The uh, the AEW Tag Team Championships, which uh, I know we're going to see, but I don't believe that they unveiled them tonight or last night. Right, yeah. No, they haven't unveiled them yet. And I imagine that's probably down the road somewhere. But, you know, the, so like for with the uh, the tag team titles they have, which are the AAA, is that right? Yep. Uh, all right. So you kind of need, you know, somebody's permission really before you just go swapping belts, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you, you kind of need AAA's permission, you know? before you can really get crazy with them tag team titles. But when they're AEW is do what? I said it, trust me, they're going to get crazy. Oh yeah. And that's what I'm saying with AEW's titles, you can get crazy or funky or wild or, you know, any, any, I mean, you can throw it in a cage. You can come up with all types of tag team rules. You can just get, uh, you know, um, imagine, use your imagination with them things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you really see that feud take off. Yeah, all four guys really giving their all. This was a this was a pay-per-view. This was a night where everyone did everything they possibly could to leave it all in the ring. And it really showed. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing this from just a fan perspective because, you know, you haven't seen a matchup or a series of matchups like this in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm saying, be- previous to Ring of Honor, way before WWE slash 2005. Um, I mean, you saw from start to finish on this night, everyone, everyone delivering in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. So we go from the tag team match to the main event of the evening. I'm We're- so disappointed. What's that? In the main event. I'm so disappointed. Really? Yes. Okay. And it, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to figure out as we go through the recap of this match why I'm so disappointed. I mean, okay, so let's let's look at it from two perspectives. First off, let's just talk about the theatrics and the presentation, the pageantry of the entrances. Um, Chris Jericho coming out. Chris Jericho's entrance, by the way, very well played out and thought out. Um, you know, they did like an homage to him with like his Lionheart Chris Jericho days, um, the list of Jericho, and uh, what was the last one? Oh, the last one was the I Am Evil Jericho. All of them. Oh, no, 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 no. They had the light bright jacket too. 
So all of them, very, very cool. Um, and I'm going to say this, and I want to be able to say this in a way that doesn't come off disrespectful, but no matter how I say it, it's going to. So I'm just going to say it. When did Chris Jericho decide to stop watching what he eats? I mean, you know, he is he is an older feller. Sometimes your metabolism, it catches up to you. Hey, and I'm not saying it doesn't because uh, I'm a fat guy. And hey, well, I mean, plus he does have a cruise, and most crews have all-you-need buffets. <laughs> and clearly he's been on that because Mr. Jericho around the old belly. <laughs> it's not an eight pack or six pack. It's a it's a keg. That that's being, not right. That's not right. <laughs> that being said, Kenny Omega coming to the ring with his entrance. Um, for every Kenny Omega entrance I've seen, this one was probably the most tame. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad, just very tame in comparison to some of the others. Uh, the guys get to the ring, big fight feel. And there's a cracker barrel in the ring. Why? Why? Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure Cracker Barrel sponsored them in some way. I mean, what better way to get the sponsorship out there than to put the Cracker Barrel? It does show the core strength, Chris Jericho, because as the referee could not get the barrel out of the ring. (laughs) Big dope. How do you not get the barrel out? Anyway, (laughs) the referee can't do it. Jericho comes over. Picks up the barrel at a deadlift and blink, out it goes. <laughs> you got to get a little stronger, guys. <laughs> and, and, I mean, plus two, you know, Jericho supposedly despises everything about, you know, Omega and the Bucks and Cody and all that stuff. So yeah. why not trash the Cracker Barrel? I like the Cracker Barrel, man. Don't do it, Jericho. I'm sure. Do it. I'm sure. Eventually, there will be a picture of Jericho sitting at the Cracker Barrel, too. <laughs> He's probably already been there a few times. You know yeah. I, yeah, I mean, that's probably where they hold a lot of business meetings. That wouldn't surprise me. That's actually funny, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'd uh, be curious to know how many Cracker Barrels they've actually stopped at, you know, for all the pictures you've seen throughout the years. So let's we'll try to touch on this matchup the right way and give it its just due. Pacing of this matchup, a little hard to follow. Not because it was too fast, opposite actually. A little slow. Um, I understood the psychology of it. I understood what their goal was. But you've basically gone all out at a frenetic pace the entire night. You've done everything at mock speed, and then you come out to a moderate 55 miles an hour. Yeah. You got two of the best performers in the world, and you're slowing it down. That much I didn't understand. Um, you know, I understand the this is supposed to have like a a feud feel. I'm okay with that. Some of what we saw with that made sense. And again, guys and gals, this is this is strictly a fan perspective. I am by no means in the imagination any kind of expert, so I'm not trying to profess myself to know better than the folks that planned this matchup and knew what they were going to do next. That ain't it. I'm just telling you from my perspective, I did find this matchup to be a little slow. It definitely told a good story. There were some some high-impact high maneuvers that really delivered in a big, big way, especially once Omega's nose got busted. But after Omega's nose got busted, I felt like we didn't 
have the same feel that we had with some of the other matches. I, I feel like Omega, when his nose got busted, I, I felt like maybe he panicked. But they did get it back and going. It just felt like in the moment they just weren't sure where to go. Well, so I think the pace may have been slowed because of that. Mm-hmm. Because he gets, I mean, he gets caught in the nose pretty quick. Yeah. And to me, it looked like when Jericho hit him with the uh, the drop kick off the turnbuckle or something. Yeah. Because uh, I don't recall seeing any blood before that. And then after that happens, I think you can see the blood down uh, Omega's side there. There's like a, a droplet that's running down his side. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, but that is really early in the match. And I think, uh, I think there's another spot shortly thereafter where it gets hit again. And that's when it really starts to bleed. Yeah. And I, I, I forget which announcer said it best, but even he, I think picked up on it because he was like, you know, you, if you have a broken nose, you're not supposed to blow it. You're not supposed to pick it. Not, you know, I think he even said, like, you don't put your finger up it or something because uh, it'll black your eyes or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably what happened. I don't know if it's broke, but I think it was hurt enough to where he literally had to slow down. Yeah. Or he could have, you know, really been in trouble. Well, and I got that feeling because there were some times where he would like go for the V trigger in a, almost a walking pace. Right. And I said to myself, you know, something isn't right here because first off, you know, nothing screams main event like repetitive attempts at the finisher. That's true. But hitting the finisher multiple times is annoying. How many V triggers are you going to hit in one match? Why? How many well, yeah, but- you go for the walls of Jericho? I mean, come on, guys. That's that's the, that's the joy of the V-trigger, though. The V-trigger is not a finisher. Yeah. Right? It's not. It's it's a strike that will come out of anywhere. Right? Now, it is used to set up um, his finisher. Mm-hmm. But it is not a finisher. It is a strike using a knee. And that, I think, is what you may have to understand about the B trigger. Okay. Well, that's sure. There might be there. Yeah. Does he hit it, you know, sometimes three or four times in a row, especially like Okada, you Mm -hmm. know, literally, I think he did it like four or five times in a row. Yeah. Only to hit the one wing angel. But if you watch him, especially last night, he would hit it out of nowhere. And it is more just a strike. Uh, anyway, for me, then, you know, anything remotely to do with the finisher. It's just a setup move, but it can be hit anywhere at any time. And it to me, it's just more of a strike. And that makes sense. I mean, I think my, my struggle point was just simply that. I view the V-trigger as an attempt at a finish, but you're probably right. And that's probably where my disconnect is on it, because I thought that that was supposed to be like a finish. But... Yeah. You know, that being the case, these guys did deliver in a big way. Um, I mean, there was some storytelling as far as the nose, the 
Jericho being able to really, really slow the pace down as a methodical kind of bad guy working his match. But, uh, all right, so the fan of me would have liked to have seen Kenny Omega win because I want to see Kenny Omega at the top. I like Kenny Omega. I'm not a huge Kenny Omega fan, but I like him. Um, And I do feel like Jericho right now is on name alone being put in these positions. That doesn't mean he's not delivering. I'm not saying that, but I am going to say that maybe Jericho in the role he's at is a little bit more than he can handle. That being said, as we go forward, I'm sure he's going to prove me wrong. He's done it multiple times before. So let's not you know, say that he's like old and out of, over the hill or anything, because I'm definitely not saying that. But I got the feeling from both guys that there was just something up. And I think, honestly, I truly feel like it was just the nose injury that just put the whole match off pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I didn't take the pace. I mean, it was slow. Right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a typical Jericho match or a typical Omega match. But I honestly think that he probably got rocked when his nose got, you know, hit the first time where it started to bleed. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of going through the motion. Because yeah. I, and I'll make this point again here in a minute, but I want to tell you why I was disappointed in this match first. Okay. Because somehow or another, Chris Jericho has found another finisher. <laughs> yeah. And I am so disappointed that he is now that much more deadly in the ring, you mm-hmm. know, that. I mean, literally, he's got a he's got finishers that just literally come out of nowhere, and that spinning elbow that took out Omega. I mean, nobody saw that coming, and that's why I'm disappointed because now he has more weapons in his arsenal, and it makes him that much more deadly. You know, okay, so here's here's what I gathered from social media as far as reaction to he calls it the Judas effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, some people think, oh, God, why is this? Why? People actually complained that Jericho continues to be innovative and find another finish. I like the fact that he does it because here's the thing. And again, I want to stress that I'm not saying that Jericho can't perform at the high level. I am just saying that in this observation, in this matchup, I didn't feel like he was in the best shape. That being the case, Jericho finding another way to deliver a finish is a benefit to all parties involved because there's nothing that says he's going to be able to continue to do the walls of Jericho because that puts stress on the knees and the back. There's nothing that says he's going to be able to continue to hit the code breaker because that puts stress on the knees and the back. So for him to now interact with the Judas effect, and by the way, for those that complained about it, I honestly thought the Judas effect looked great. I liked it. I... Yeah, now, now, again, I agree. So, like, I was not expecting that ending, right? I was expecting Omega to win and literally the elbow. And it was like, oh, oh, crap. This is it. You can see just Kenny fold up. <laughs> you know, he's he's down. He's not getting up. You know it. But again, and so this guy's been around for so long, and you know, you almost think, well, he he should be able to compete against Omega, but then he comes up with the Judas effect, 
And now you realize, oh, crap, not only can he compete with Omega and Cody, but he can now beat him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm so disappointed because the guy I loved, you know, watching come along in in Jericho when he was WCW and then he went to the WWE. Mm-hmm. Well, he got replaced by Omega. Yeah. And Cody. But now he's like, hey, guys, did you miss me? Because I'm back. And now, you know, now I'm kind of torn. Do I root for Jericho or do I root for Omega? Mm-hmm. And and my heart tells me to root for Omega, but I don't know if I can. And to make your point, though, about you, like you would have liked to have seen Omega win. I think if you look. So they've talked about Paige being the future mm-hmm. of the, you know, of AEW. But honestly, would you have turned in? to next month's pay-per-view if you knew you were only going to see Paige and Omega or Omega and Cody or the Young Bucks and Omega. You you see what I'm saying? Yeah. This completely eliminates any talk of them being selfish because they put other people over when they didn't have to. That's true. That's true. And it speaks volumes because, you know, the entire buildup of this event was based around the unselfish team attitude that all of them have held and delivered on. So we look into this deeper. You have to look into the post-match activity. Well, hold on. So before we get into the very post-match activity, I want you, if you haven't seen the match, and and this is where we're talking about the nose in the the nose thing. Mm-hmm. This point or this spot really kind of drills it home when they pick his head up off the mat, and he just looks like he is not in the building. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. The first shot where you see his head come up, yeah. Yes, and he his eyes are glassed over. Yep. And he just looks like he is gone. And I would imagine that, again, just throughout that match, his bell got rung and rung and rung, and he they were just going through the motion mm-hmm. to get to that ending. Now, there were m- multiple points where Omega fired up and looked tremendous. I mean, this match, look, if we're looking at all Japan, excuse me, New Japan as a a measuring stick, of course, you're going <laughs> to, that bar is high, right? Mm. But looking at this delivery for a main event for all elite wrestling, this is still better than I'll say 80% of the main events we've seen on pay-per-view. That's above and beyond what, what the E delivers. I'm talking overall. Right. Um, just simply because of the athletic ability, the storytelling, and the fact that both guys kept going when it could have been considered a disaster and they could have just said, let's take it home now. But they didn't. They managed to put it together, and this matchup ended quite well. It, the story it told was good. So you've got something. you got something you can work from. 
And it wasn't until the post-match that I really understood what their layout was and what their next direction was. Huh. Okay, so Chris Jericho wins following a Judas effect. Jericho and Adam Page, feasibly, are on a collision course for the AEW World Championship. That's story number one. But the way this pay-per-view closed is huge. And for multiple reasons. First off, Jericho continues to deliver the promo of, You owe me a thank you for what I did for All Elite Wrestling. (laughs) Demanding a thank you from the fans, from the company, from Cody, from everyone. And then he runs down all of his list of accolades and all the things he's already done for them. And don't forget the middle fingers. Yes, the (laughs) giving the finger to everyone that he could. Wait, wait. Wait, He not just only gave the middle finger to the crowd, but he gave the middle finger to the dude dressed up as Jesus who then (laughs) gave it back to him. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was priceless. (laughs) I don't understand how Jesus gives a finger, but if he can give the thumbs up, I guess he can give a finger. Um, Yeah, so Jericho, I mean, first off, Jericho is a master at being a bad guy. Mm -hmm. We will never find a better heel. Period. I, I truly believe this. Um, because you haven't seen a bad guy, the dynamic of Chris Jericho, since Flair in his prime. That's my opinion. Um, because he just knows how to twist the knife just a little bit more right. and make you feel it. Yeah, now you're talking a true heel, not yeah. one of those quasi middle type guys yeah no 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 i'm not talking talking a straight heel i'm not talking about like kevin nash and scott halls of the world where they want the crowd to still love them no i'm talking about a guy that's willing to go the distance as a bad guy and make the world hate him right yeah only to you know to 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 lose a match only to get up after you know an hour long broadway and be like ah ah, screw you You yeah exactly exactly um, so, you know, we have talked about this, this next guy, both positive and negative for a number of years, not just months, years. Um, and we've all known that there's been rumors, but Jericho going through his accolades and what he's already done for all elite wrestling, that's already getting the crowd riled up. And it seems like the crowd is ready to leave. But before they can, straight out of the WCW Monday Nitro playbook, we've got a guy in the crowd in street clothes, feasibly, making his way to the ring. And all of a sudden, you catch a glimpse, and you're like, wait a sec. That, that's John Moxley. And here's the thing. Moxley, and I just read about this today, when he... When Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, turned in his notice, he told <laughs> his former employers that he was headed to the movies <laughs> and maybe some indie dates. Well, <laughs> uh, so about that. All that promotion you did and that big buildup you did for this guy exiting your company just made his debut for the competitor's company that much bigger. 
Out comes John Moxley, hits the ring. The crowd is ballistic at this point. The roof is blown off. Jericho sells it like a million dollars. What are you doing here, he says. And Moxley hits the Dirty Deeds DDT. And let me just tell you, you can already sense that it's on. Because when he delivers this DDT, it's not the WWE Dirty Deeds. It's not. (laughs) Now, maybe you can give Jericho credit for selling it because he was exhausted. (laughs) But he sells it like death. It was beautiful. Referee comes in. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Boom, referee gets dropped. And then it's Omega and Moxley. And this is where the whole story changes. Now we see Omega and Moxley brawling into the crowd. And it's all of a sudden all John Moxley. Moxley hits the DDT and then... To me, as the final shot delivered, again, right between the eyes or to the temple, depending on how you want to look at it, picks up Kenny Omega and hits an attitude adjustment onto the set and breaks it. The show goes off the air with Moxley at the top of the uh, double or nothing poker chips, giving the finger to the crowd and the camera. I don't think anything sets the tone and sets the attitude quite like that. And, uh, hey, say what you want about the guy who was previously employed up north. I think you have a completely different competitor in the in the form of John Moxley. Yeah, but but we've already known that, right? So we yep. we can remember Moxley before the WWE. Yep. I mean, he was violent, sadistic, <laughs> cruel, <laughs> crazy, uh, hardcore. I yep. mean, this guy was, I mean, he was here to play, you know, before the WWE. And the WWE and their infinite wisdom didn't capitalize on it, made him a lunatic, and that fell flat in your face. Because you can't really make a guy a lunatic without being able to pull all the stops. Right. And again, so I've been a proponent against the Shield. I've been a proponent against Ambrose. I've made known that, you know, I didn't like the lunatic character. But I marked out for the Moxley video. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so well done, too. Yeah, and, and again, probably. speaking of videos, you were talking about uh, What's Your Name earlier and how great that was. And, and yeah. that's such a coincidence that they have such a great production staff already. <laughs> Jeez. <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> Who and, knew, right? <laughs> hey, late-breaking news. One of the agents and head coach of their training team, yeah, Dean, uh, Dean Malenko. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a real big uh, screw you moment, by the way. You're losing your backstage crew that was responsible for the development of some of the best matches in your recent history. That should tell you something. Yeah, but and anyway, we'll we'll come back to them in a few minutes because we got to do some money in the bank stuff. So we'll cover them in a few minutes. But anyway, so I figured he would be the Joker card. 
So did I, actually. Right? I, I thought it was either him or Punk. That's what I thought. Yes. I thought they had that ready. Right. But then he didn't come out. Yep. And it was kind of a letdown, right? It was, uh, crap, you know? Even though Adam comes out, you, I, you know, again, I was expecting Moxley. But then I forgot about him. Literally forgot about him for all the great action throughout the night. Yeah. And then, and so I fell asleep right before the main event last night because I was just so tired. I made sure as soon as I got home, that was the first thing I did. I cut it on, started the main event, started watching it. And again, I forgot about Moxley. Mm -hmm. It ends. I'm a little disappointed. Jericho wins. I really wanted Omega to win. Made sense, though. I'm okay with it. He starts harassing the crowd. The crowd is going nuts. Jericho's just egging them on. And then something happens. Because if you listen to the crowd, it's almost like this wave starts to come through the crowd. Where it starts to get louder in a in a, like a different section. Mm-hmm. And then as something you can tell something is moving through yeah. that crowd because it's literally getting louder and louder and louder and then he gets to the point where the camera's on him and everybody can see and even I was like holy shit. I, I mean almost 11 o'clock I guess I can say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> But you, it was just, it was, it was like, wow, it's Moxley. Yeah. You know, it's a guy, you know, it's like an old drinking buddy, you yeah. know? You used to get drunk with him, and you'd party with him, and then he gets married, and then he gets divorced, and now, oh, let's go drinking again, yay! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yes, it's, I do actually. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like it was like that type of moment. Like it was an old friend that you knew was kind of in the area again, but you weren't sure if he was going to pick up the phone and call you and say, "Let's go hang out." Well, he just shows up at your doorstep, and you know the look at him. You can tell he looks energized. He looks ready to go. Forget about the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, however long it was in the WWE. It's all in the past. Moxley's back. Sticks Jericho. That poor ref, I think, gets kicked in the face after he sticks him with the DDT. Yeah. Yeah. And then, again, the moment where he picks up uh, Omega, and Omega just looks out of it, and you're like, oh, this is really going to hurt. You know, this this is truly uh I'm here to play moment because he's now sticking your biggest superstar. But Omega just manages to turn the tide. They fight up the you know, into the crowd, up to the ramp, and then, you know, again, he throws him off this onto the stage, breaks the stage, and you know, he's flipping everybody off. But, Brian, how did he throw him? Because that's important. We've been joking all about this the entire night. 
but how did he throw him off and through the stage? You tell him. It was an FU. <laughs> Folks, you don't get much more poetic with this last shot than John Cena's finishing maneuver through the stage. And it changes. It's not the attitude adjustment at this point. It's the FU. That's exactly what it was. It was, okay, fine. We're going to take what you've done on your, you know, your, your bragging rights, your stomping grounds, your backlash pay-per-view, and we're going to throw it in your face, and we're going to kick you in the nuts with it. And that's exactly what they did. That's how they ended the night. That is what, I mean, when Moxley gives the finger to the crowd, it wasn't to the crowd. You knew who it was to. I've never seen a guy look so free, by the way, that when John Moxley hits the ring at All Elite Wrestling and the vibe from all over the arena, just like Brian described, I mean, it was a wave. And at first, I'm going to be that guy. At first, I thought it was punk. And let me just tell you, I'd have woken up my entire house if that had been CM Punk. But it was tremendous and frankly what happens from here man i'm really really excited to see what happens next because now you got omega and moxley jericho and page you've got probably the bucks and best friends you've probably got cody and dustin against another tag team, which will probably be maybe the Lucha Brothers. You got the women's division, which could be any one direction you want. Uh, You've got a battle royal technique that you could almost do at the beginning of every pay-per-view. Probably get watered down, but you still could. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got a feel for the presence backstage where there's no authority figure which means all bets are off. Right. You've got a commentary team that with honestly and truly with the guidance and the knowledge of Jim Ross that can only get better. And you've got unlimited potential from the young people on your talent roster. I mean, if you can't see a guy like Kip Sabian moving up the roster and being a main eventer in the next year and a half, you're blind. Because that kid's got it. And you've got... There doesn't appear to be any wrestler on that roster that doesn't want to be there. Right. That hasn't lost and already, you know, taken their ball and gone home. Mm -hmm. They love their fans. They treat their fans with respect. They treat them like their fans know what they want, and they're going to give their fans that. There's no half-hour segments that make absolutely no sense. And I think it's kind of funny that, you know, if you watch Raw or SmackDown, there's normally segments to start that run about a half an hour. Mm -hmm. And yet the time limit on the matches are half an hour. Yeah. You know, there's no wasted efforts. There's no wasted movements. It all makes sense. It all tells a story. You don't need all that, 
you know, you don't need the 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 girlfriend in the coffin. You know, you don't need <laughs> that crap. Why? Yeah, you don't need Katie. You don't need that. You know, you don't need that. At the end of the day, it's pro wrestling. It's not that hard. You're taught in the, you know, in training to tell the story in the ring. And that's where we've lost focus with the WWE. And if they, if they keep it up from last night, I mean, every match told a story and it told it beautifully. So post pay-per-view, of course, there's press conferences, there's reporters all over the place. Cody Rhodes gets questioned about his destroying of Triple H's throne. So he said the segment was designed to show everyone that he's still a wrestler first and foremost and mentioned how they burned the bridge with double or nothing. Said he thought his entrance was pretty cool and it was part of the process of making this show better than all in. He called the show a wrestling buffet with a variety of content for the fans. I think no true words have been spoken. I think that's a great way of describing... Um, just what this show was. Mm-hmm. And again, you may so you may not get the buffet every show, right? The full buffet like you got last night. But you're going to get such a variety, such a mix. And trust me when I tell you, there's going to come a time down the road where Havoc and Moxley are in the same ring together. Yep. And it's probably not going to be fit for kids, but it's going to make sense because they're good at what they do. And now they're going to have that, the platform to prove it. So here's some, here's some reactions from multiple people. Uh, Let's talk about Dustin Rhodes says Dustin Rhodes says after uh, double or nothing that they're that AEW is fixing to take over the world and Vince better watch his ass. Uh, let's see here. Greg Hamilton. Greg Hamilton says Greg Hamilton's an announcer for WWE. The Usos are possibly the greatest tag team on the planet, period. And the only argument that could ever be made tonight in Vegas would be if the New Day happened to be there. It says great match, fellas, but not nah, fam. OK, that's a dumb one. Let's look at uh, Sean Spears. Sean Spears says, uh, and of course, Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger, basically that he said the company feels like home. He hasn't actually signed a contract yet. Interesting. That could be that could be storyline fodder right there. Uh, possible backlash for WWE stars tweeting about uh, the pay-per-view. Uh, Smelter says, what are they going to do? They can't say anything. They can't touch Renee Young. If they do anything to Natalia, um, you know, it's possible, but people will react poorly because it's bad press for them. Agreed. Um, but you know, when have they ever worried about bad press? Fair point. Sasha Banks was all over Twitter, by the way, during this event. And I think a lot of people have to recognize that, hey, if Sasha Banks truly does decide to say, I'm done, bye-bye, uh, yeah, WWE may have a huge loss on their hands from that because, yes, absolutely, Sasha Banks could have a home in all elite wrestling and a good home at that. Uh, let's see here. Looking into just some more stars and reactions, Medusa, there are wars always to be started somewhere. It takes an innovator to change the old. 
Carl, and- Carl Anderson saying, God, I miss those boys. Uh, Sasha, congratulations, ladies. I'm excited for women's wrestling. Taz, the wrestling industry has been trucking down the same road for many, many years. Tonight, it's pretty evident that a new road has just opened up. Congrats to all the men and women of AEW. Tommy Dreamer, tonight's AEW was awesome. Wrestling fans got so much and more. Great job by all. Side note, (laughs) Sunny Kiss, your butt is hardcore. Thanks, Tommy. I didn't think I'd ever have a moment where I would read this on the air. <laughs> well, I think about Tommy's night, though. He's in the battle role. He gets a face stuff. Yeah, he gets face full of stuff multiple times. Okay. Only then later have a stapler taken to his forehead. Now, what the heck? And I believe his genitals. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Jimmy Havoc, buddy. <laughs> Some things are off limits, sir. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's there's tons of things to talk about when it comes to this this matchup, this pay per view. Um, I gotta agree with Dustin Rhodes. If you're the Office, um, you had better have been paying attention last night, not to what you need to copy, more what you need to change. Because uh, you know, say what you want. I'm not necessarily looking for anybody to go out of business. That's just a stupid expectation, I think. Um, but you do need to make changes, and if you don't have an indication of that by now, well, maybe your doors are going to close. You got your guy in charge who's getting ready to start a football league. You got the people that know what they're doing that are being pushed aside, and you got talent that's unhappy. Um, Brian, how long ago was it that WCW had that same problem? Well, let's not look at WCW. Let's look at a business called Sears. I like that analogy. Because remember, at one time, Sears and Roebuck was the biggest one out there. Very true. And then come a little place called Walmart. Wally World. And they didn't do it overnight, but Walmart put a hurt on them. So Walmart could be your WCW. Mm -hmm. And then let's flash forward to when the internet really starts to take off. And you got this new flashy young company called Amazon. And Amazon does things completely different than anybody else. And look what they did to Sears. Yep. Put them down. And nobody ever saw it coming. Nope. So let's not say it's not possible. Let's say we hope it doesn't happen. But anything is possible when you have bad management at the top. And I'm not talking about all of them at the top. I'm talking about the guy at the very, very tippy top who controls it all. That guy is hurting your business. And and it would be, you know, nobody here is saying that, you know, the, the man at the top hasn't, contributed and offered and made powerful changes for the industry he definitely has but everyone everyone has a shelf life all of us father time is the enemy of everyone so recognize that i mean recognize it for what it is make the changes you got to make accept who you are and who you're not and go forward i mean i think that's the best advice anybody would give to a business regardless of business type I mean, one of your one of your biggest backstage entities 
goes on record to say, well, I would have this beautiful show written up and then it will get changed. Mm-hmm. And then it will get changed. And then it will get changed again. And it might get changed six times before the show starts. And there was a report, what, two weeks ago? That they didn't even finish Raw until Raw was already not only in progress, almost done. Oh, that was this past week. Raw was four minutes in before the script was done. Right. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure those are similar reports out of WCW. Oh, definitely. That, in and of itself, if you are the people at the top, the wrong people, specifically, um, that's an indicator that you're on borrowed time, period. The board of directors is only going to tolerate but so much. Mm-hmm. And there's no better indicator than your stock price. Yeah, you're at the top of the mountain, and hey, it's great up there, but your your stock price is going to take a hit here. And if anybody thinks that it's not going to happen, you're living in just a fantasy world. Now, this isn't going to say that the door is closed and everybody everything gets sold because that's just stupid. But what it does say is that this is more than just a T-shirt company. Always cracks me up when people type that. <laughs> this is more than just a we want to be like Impact or WCW because, hey, we've seen fly by nights. We know they exist. That ain't this. (laughs) AEW is for real. Um, TNT, bringing them on television Tuesday nights for two hours live, um, that's a huge investment. And in a post-Time Warner merger world, you have nobody better to ask about that than one Eric Bischoff. He knows the power of it. If you listen to 83 Weeks, he's very clear. This is one of those things that you're going to have to start acknowledging. And if you ignore it too long, like WWE did some time ago, it's going to come back and it's going to beat you for more than 83 weeks. That's just the truth. And, <laughs> and see, here's, here's the other thing I guarantee you nobody has thought of yet. So we already know based on forewarning that Fox has dumped a boatload of money into acquiring the television rights to SmackDown. You're crazy if you don't think there weren't Fox executives watching Double or Nothing last night. You're crazy if you don't think there aren't Fox executives they're going to pick up the buy rights when they're published for double or nothing. You're crazy if you don't think they're not going to watch every stinking thing they do from here on out. Right. And when they lose faith, you're going to lose a big chunk out of that WWE arsenal. And, and the reality is this wouldn't be the first time that Fox has turned their back. We already know that, you know, back in the early 90s, Fox turned their back on them in a big, big way. They had picked up Saturday night's main event. They had picked up access rights to weekly specials, the weekend programming. They were in the running to do what USA ultimately did. But 
you start delivering poor shows and scandals, the steroid scandal back in late 91, and suddenly the ball game changes and you are no longer in control of your own destiny. And, you know, for the record, you may be a publicly traded company, but you are not in control of your own destiny right now. Because if you were, if you were, we wouldn't be having this conversation. This conversation would be going quite differently. Like, wow, I want to see what happens next. Not, please God, <laughs> let All Elite Wrestling deliver so we can finally see something better. That's a pretty big indicator that you're headed the wrong direction. Take it for what it what it's worth. Yeah. So it'll be interesting tomorrow night on Raw. Oh, I definitely want to see what happens tomorrow night. There is no doubt in my mind that that's going to be a unique situation. So let's go ahead and give our uh, – well, we've already gone over time, but why not? Let's give five minutes. <laughs> So money in the bank. Uh, okay. First All right. So let me do. Let me do it because mine mine will be pretty quick, right? So I loved Evans and Lynch, Lynch into Charlotte, and Bailey cashing in and beating Charlotte. Yes. I, I thought that entire segment was good storytelling because it just kind of rolled right into the next, mm-hmm. and it again it all made sense. It was the right time to cash it in. I don't care what anybody says. Bailey's a new champ. Charlotte and Bailey on SmackDown. Becky and Lacey on Raw. And then every once in a while you'll get this little super superstar crossovers. You know? Because mm-hmm. I really would like to see Lacey and Charlotte as a tag team. I think that would be just the best. But anyway, so I thought that segment was one of the better segments of the night. It wasn't the best because the best was the main event, the Money in the Bank match, when Ali was climbing the ladder, had his hands on the case, and the beast appeared. Brock Lesnar shows up, grabs the case, and the rest is history. Now, in my opinion, he doesn't necessarily need the case. But it's a shock, it's a surprise, and you know he's going to get that title. And when he gets that opportunity, if they're smart, maybe Rollins or AJ, whoever's got it, beats Brock back and retains the title, which would be an even bigger shock, or Brock just destroys them, you know, and we're right back where we were. But now you know there's a sense of suspicion, or not suspicion, but, um, you know, terror almost. It yeah. should be going on the champ now that it's not just any Money in the Bank winner. It's Brock Lesnar. I honestly felt like the delivery of Brock winning the, the briefcase was really well done because Mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, Ali had that case. All he had to do was unlatch it, right? Mm -hmm. And so when that music hit, it was, are you kidding me? Because we haven't seen, heard, or mentioned Brock Lesnar since Mania. 
And mm. even then it was, yep, Brock Lesnar lost. Goodbye. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That really wasn't the story. <laughs> and, and, and they did a great job with that. I salute them for that because, hey, it got all of us. It shocked all of us. None of us saw that coming. No, no one. And that's great. That's what you want to do. But how do you follow up? Brian's got a great point. How do you follow up to this? So that's going to be the story. I liked how they built it the following Monday. Who's going to cash in on? How's this going to go? I liked that. Doesn't mean I like, (laughs) you know, like seeing, you know, him back on TV a lot. Hopefully I still don't, but you know. But again, what's your what's your biggest complaint about Brock being champion? That he's not on TV. Right, right. Right? So, so now, now <laughs> but for me now, unlike when he was champ and they would tell you Brock's not here, he's got a briefcase yep. that he could very well surprise you any night they're on. And maybe they actually pop when Brock comes out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They figured it out. (laughs) The Brock problem. (laughs) So let's give him the money in the bank. And yeah, well, is he here? Is he not here? Is he here? Is he not here? We don't know. Let's just wait and see. Yeah. I thought I agree with you. I think that the storyline between Becky and Lacey Evans and how it rolled into Charlotte and Bailey was really well delivered. Um, Bailey being SmackDown Women's Champion is new. It's different. It's got a good flavor to it. I'm gonna. I really do want to see her and Charlotte go at it again. I think that'll be a good matchup. Lacey Evans delivered in a big way at Money in the Bank, and now we've got even more reason to feel that she is a a solid competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you little nasties can go back to business. <laughs> and I I really, really liked that they forced Becky into that situation where she only lost one. Right. Because now you got to see what the man does to respond. Does it mean you had to do that? No. I mean, I think I said last week that I would have liked to have seen her defend both. But now you've got a champion on both brands. Right. Which is best. That's what And best- although, yeah. Although it was cool for her to be Becky Two Belts, she right. shouldn't be Becky Two Belts. Right. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. They should have either vacated one or did what they did, which, you know, hey, they, they found a way. They worked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are your positives, right? Everything else about this pay-per-view, honestly, I didn't like. Um, Miz, and, Miz and Shane, predictable. Um, decent match, but it was just predictable. The finish, the finish sucked. Mm-hmm. Slipping out of a shirt to win a cage match, really? That's what we do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dumb. Dumb. Uh, how about having your SmackDown tag champs lose to the Usos? Why? Why are you putting the Usos over in a non-title match? Should have never happened. Should have never been booked. Um, why, Where were your Raw tag champions? Not on the show. I'd have rather seen a champion versus champion, not title match. At least it would have made sense. Um, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Great match. No question. Um, But honestly, even though it was a great match, you know why it made me mad? Because they could have did this at a different point. It Mm -hmm. It was wasted at Money in the Bank because, to me, it's bigger than Money in the Bank. Mm hmm 
Um, and, and that's that. I guess that's the a, a good positive. I mean, it was a tremendous matchup, but I would have loved to have seen this at Mania or SummerSlam at one of the bigger pay-per-views. Again, it's not really a detraction, but it made me mad because then they, it makes me realize that they didn't see the money in this. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, Roman Reigns, his storyline sucks right now. What are you doing? Why is he facing Elias? Why is he now interacting with Shane? Why is Drew McIntyre still involved in this? This doesn't make sense. Move him down the ladder and have him go after the U.S. title. Move him down the ladder, have him go after the Intercontinental. Not that I want to see Finn or Samoa Joe lose it, but you get my point. Well, Joe did lose him. Well, and that's that's the other part. Joe loses it after that busted nose, and boy, that was nasty, by the way. Um, kudos to him for keeping it moving, you know, trying to finish the match off and not getting bogged down, but his face started to swell quick. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to feel bad for Rey Mysterio, but I also have to say that we all said he's a very brittle guy, and the injury bug has not been kind to him. He's going to end up giving up the U.S. title on Monday because he's hurt. His shoulder's hurt again. <laughs> I feel bad for Rey Mysterio, but you know what? Sometimes enough's enough, dude. Maybe it's time to call it. That sounds mean, but reality is he doesn't have anything else to prove. He's now a Grand Slam champion. No better time than now to say, you know what? I've done everything I can do. Let me retire. Because he's going in the hall. He he deserves to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, retire, man. Be done. Be happy. Um... Braun Strowman's storyline, again, why? Sami Zayn, uh, why? Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. Uh, again, why? Why are we seeing these things repeat themselves? Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else really for Money in the Bank. That's kind of my take. Well, here, here's something. It's not Money in the Bank related. Since you've said your piece on Money in the Bank, and we... Said we're going to keep it short. Yeah. We gave you the highlights and the lowlights. And there were a lot of lowlights. Did you happen to catch the little poster? And we're going back to AEW because, by God, it's just fun to talk about them right now. Did you happen to catch the poster for, I guess you'd call it the bookend for All In? Or it's titled All Out. Did you catch that? So I saw the poster that said All Out, but I didn't catch a real good All right, so where is it at again? Chicago. So Stan. Yes, sir. You know these guys like to foretell the future, right? Yes. I mean, they like to give stuff away. Case in point, Moxley's 525 dice uh, in the video. And the videos of them, you know, giving out contracts and all this stuff. And Ty Dillinger, you know, being at the table and picking the card that says 10, you know, all this stuff, right? Yep. I'm looking at the poster right now. Yes. And if this is. So look at the poster. You can see the face. And I, I'm, I can hear the smile on your face. <laughs> I just now got a good up-close glimpse of this. Wow. So so 
for those of you that are not looking at home, you should look it up sometime. Google Images. The poster says, all out, there's a picture of the stadium in Chicago. I believe it gives the date. But surround, is it the date? What's what's over top the stadium? So you've got... No, no, hold on. What's in the middle? Okay, so you got all out, got stadium, Chicago, yep. Illinois, Sears Center, August what's, 31st, 2000. Okay, stop right there. Got it. Well, I'm going to let you do this because I think it'll be better for you. What is bookending the date? So, okay, you guys know me. You followed me for a number of years. You know that I'm probably, at least on this show and this network, the biggest fan of who they're hinting in the world. And that would be the one and only CM Punk. Because if you look on this poster, again, you know, Cody and them love to tease. I know they do. And they enjoy it. They probably listen to shows like ours and go, look at this mark. Got him again. But here's the red stars of CM Punk's logo on both the left and right of the All Elite Wrestling logo. And the type font, the print... For All Out, for those of you that have CM Punk's Best in the World t-shirt and the gray background, god dang, I really didn't realize just how close this was. Um, Yeah, you don't get much more of a tease than that. And Tony Khan has gone on record by saying that one of the guys... He wanted Punk first. Yes, that's one of the guys on his list. Um, I would be the guy that say, I'm that fan, okay? Punk shows up at All Out. My WWE fandom goes down the tubes because I got nothing else to watch for. Michaels is retired. Roman is now a a Make-A-Wish Foundation guy. It's not going to get any better there. But... If, in fact, that would be how it goes down. And I, I got to say, I, I believe they could pull it off in a huge way. Um, I mean, what do you have to watch for after that? <laughs> I mean, well, who else could they pull off, you think? So so, so we're going to uh, – there's plenty you could still pull off. But I, I just find it funny that you're in Chicago and everybody wants them to show up here. Mm-hmm. And he just climbed back in a wrestling ring, supposedly under the mask. And by God, you're just you just like giving stuff away, right? And you just happen to throw up four red stars, bookending the the image in the middle. And if you don't believe me, you can look up the All Out poster and then go look up the CM Punk T-shirt. And But for you, I have an assignment for you, Stan. Uh-oh. After I've told you this, and it's now 1130 at night, I want you to record how many hours of sleep you get tonight. <laughs> I probably won't. Because do something tells me. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for all those tinfoil hat fans to help me out. <laughs> something tells me that you're not going to be able to sleep. No. Because that is too unreal for words. That I'm, you're going to go find the 
you're going to go watch the replay of the pipe bomb incident. You're probably going to grab one of the kids' stuffed animals, and you're going to give them the go to sleep. You know, you may run into the medicine cabinet and get the ace bandages and wrap your wrist up and then sit there and move your hands like he used to. Put the axe on your hands. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you'll convince the significant other to shave her head and y'all will go straight edge. Straight edge society, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it worked. It worked. Yeah, I know. At the biggest... (laughs) quite possibly the biggest promise of a return and literally if he were to show up in Chicago that would definitely be the first if not last nail in the coffin because it would to me it would be one of those it would be the Mick Foley moment that AEW would would have you know again oh who's CM Punk or ah, oh, it's just some stupid pay per view where CM Punk shows up, and at that moment, everybody clicks. Five on. million channels switch. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's uh-huh. a magic kind of thing that would happen. Yeah, there's no doubt. And again, once this gets out, right? Once this gets out that they have put the red stars on the Chicago poster. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a ploy, it is a brilliant ploy. Yeah. Because you're going to get the the CM Punk fan who may not be an all-elite wrestling fan is going to say, oh, crap. Yep. I mean, hey. Do I I plug down the money in hopes he shows up? Or do I I lose my CM Punk fan card because he showed up? Yeah, and I didn't see it. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing. Like if you don't watch it, you got only yourself to blame if he comes back. Yeah. And of course, if he doesn't, you know that's fine. You know I'm okay with that. I mean I'm the kind of fan that's like, please come back. But at the same time, I you, know, you would you. There's no from this point forward, you're going to obsess over <laughs> all out. There is not going to be any if he doesn't show up. I'm okay. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> If he doesn't show up, you're going to be devastated. I'm going to burn my punk material. <laughs> Kurt, you oh. punk. It'd be, the new, it'd be the new Coco Beware of the show. Punk. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we've definitely gone over time. Wow, almost three hours. Dude, <laughs> that's insane. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and plug the uh, social media and let's head off. We definitely got to get this wrapped up. Brian. Where do they find Spill, Rob? I don't, I don't know why you keep asking. Just no, say. I said, where do they find Rob? You can read uh, Rob. I don't know Rob's. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have it. I have it on Facebook and Twitter. I don't. I don't know what his actual thing is. Once I learn it, once I, you know, I don't need to worry about it no more. It's like my own phone number. Rob can be found at Rob Hefner C two C. The show can be found at C two C Radio Show. I can be found at Dan from Krypton. And Brian can be found at STRCP21. That's the Twitter handles. Catch up with us on Facebook, of course, Corner to Corner Wrestling. Um, In our Facebook group right now, you're going to see a plethora of all elite wrestling posts. Um, I'm curious to see what happens on Monday. I think we all are. But, hey, let's face it. It's a countdown to TNT and All Out. It's just what it is. Oh, and Fight for the Fallen. Don't forget that. 
Oh, and and don't well, I guess the big countdown is for next month's pay per view. I think it's next month. What's June? Next? Uh, in it the uh, fighter flight or something? Is that is that gonna be uh broadcast? I think so. The one from Jacksonville. Yeah. I don't think they've officially said yet, but uh, uh, I know one match is Omega versus uh, Sheba. I think. That'll be good. I think that's the only one announced so far. So with that being said, let the countdown commence to the next All Elite Wrestling event. It's such a shame. It really kind of is. But hey, you know what? It's not like we didn't warn the WWE that this is going to happen. I've been been on them for years. And now it's here. So hopefully, hey, I'm the guy that says it can happen Monday. You can make changes, but, you know, I'm going to hold my breath. That being the case, we're going to catch up with you next week. You catch up with the show, of course, online at c2cradio.listentomyshow.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right now, you've got the replay of last week's post-show, I believe. And, uh, oh, yes, our breakout news, as of course, as we talked about the TV deal um, and all the rumors before Double or Nothing. And this will be airing shortly after that on a replay rotation. If you have questions, concerns, comments, or gripes, well, we don't want to hear it. I'm just kidding. Send them over, and we'll definitely try to answer for you. Uh, we will catch up with you next Sunday right here on Corner to Corner 24-7. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch up with you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.